Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. First issue. Hello, everybody. It is Wednesday, September the 24th, 2014, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle. I'm in the house with Steve Say. Hello. Mr. Bob Ryer. Knocked. And back on the line, Ms. Stephanie Cook. Hello. Stephanie, welcome back. (laughs) Hi, thank you. Very good to have you. How are you feeling? (laughs) Alive-ish. Ish? Yeah. How was your... Day of birth, your name day? It was uneventful, but like I've been traveling for pretty much a month straight. So it was kind of nice to just not do anything at all. It was just like, oh, I'm going to sit on my couch and do what I want all day and do like minimal work and just watch what I'm going to watch, play what I'm going to play. And it was good. It was very good. Cool. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool, cool. So pizza, got- wine, anything? Pardon? Pizza, wine, snacks, bacon, I think anything? I, I got I ordered Indian food Ooh. for myself because pizza has become like a regular thing that's not like <laughs> special anymore. Um, I like I have the saddest fridge right now because again, like I've been gone pretty much like for a month and I've been home like kind of two days in between each weekend. And uh, I got home and opened my fridge and I have like a bottle of booze. I have ketchup. <laughs> I have like uh lemon juice and a face mask that's like uh non it's perishable so it needs to be in the fridge <laughs> so i have non-edible things <laughs> in my fridge because right? <laughs> i haven't <laughs> left the house to get groceries so oh it's really sad i've had a lot of pizza <laughs> yeah, that's never a bad thing pizza is always special I know. Well, they're giving me discounts and stuff now. Oh, that, that's like, a bad sign. I know. That's a bad sign. On like the loyalty program. That's amazing. Uh, there was a store in our local mall here that was the uh, the Lint Truffle store. Mm-hmm. And I tend not to buy candy, but someone introduced me to those as a Christmas gift many years ago. And they're just amazing little things. And you could go in and have a mixed pound made or one of this and two of these and so on and so forth. It got to be they knew me. <laughs> which was just no it's like no you're not supposed to know what my order is before i walk into the candy shop so oh like, i knew i had to stop and i think me not going there they went out of business now they sell socks oh no which is not nearly as good one of my uh, life not- goals is to be able to walk into a place and just say i'll have the usual you have that <laughs> where reese's <laughs> yeah, well yeah you know what that is wow bob that is true fritz knows your drink <laughs> he does know my drink old-fashioned um, i i totally did you reminded me, Bob, of you know junk food and stuff? I did leave the house on my birthday um, to go to this sweet shop on my street. They make homemade ice cream and Ooh. they make homemade cakes and stuff, and they have um, cupcakes. So for my birthday, I bought myself a salted caramel cookie dough brownie cupcake. 
Wow. Yeah. Uh, no, that sounds great. They also had like all kinds of other amazing ones too. They had um, oh, what was the really weird one that but it was like cool weird. Um, I don't know. They have a whole bunch of them though. Um, I wanted to buy them all, but I thought that would be like onset of diabetes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I have myself diabetes for my birthday. (laughs) I have a a birthday uh, sort of, it's not a cupcake story. It was right after my dad had passed away, I decided to make myself a birthday cake. My mom left behind all sorts of her baking recipes is where my cheesecake comes from or anything else. And it was for the the chocolate frosting, the buttercream frosting and a, and a cake, her yellow cake made from scratch. Great. So I can, I can do that. So I made a whole bowl of frosting. Really perfect. Beat up the batter, put it in the pan, put it in the oven. About 20 minutes later, there's this smell in the kitchen. And I go into the, and look in the oven, and you ever see the Little Rascals episode where they bake a cake? Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what it looked like. We want, it was, it was, there was batter everywhere over the oven. It took me hours to clean it all because it baked to the floor of it. And I then realized that was the ingredients for the two layers of a two-layer cake that I put in <laughs> one pan. And when it rose, it just was Vesuvius. So for that birthday, I ate a bowl of frosting <laughs> and, and had a glass of wine or two. It's like, hey, yeah, happy birthday to me. I did that too once. And like I made it explode because you know how like they bubble? Yep. Um, like there was like a big bubble that came and like it just like splattered everywhere. <laughs> that was the year I made a cake explode. <laughs> that should be a title of a short story you write. Yeah. That definitely sounds like a title of like a children's book. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> story of my life. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't have any exciting baking stories like that. Although one, t- the only time it's just so not the like the wholesome nature of the story that you just told. One time I, I, we were, uh, I was hanging out. My friend's parents had like a house in Montauk, and we were hanging out there, and we were imbibing all sorts of substances. And we decided to, mm-hmm. um, they decided that we really wanted to make a cake. Um, Perfect time. <laughs> or brownies. Wanted to make brownies. Dude, we should make a cake. It's ex- this is yeah. nearly yeah. exactly a replay of the conversation. <laughs> and the whole time, immediately my, my over-worrying brain kicks, and I'm like, I don't know if this is the best time to make a cake. <laughs> Nicely played. But, 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 but the promise of cake outweighed my oh yeah your better <laughs> yeah. judgment yeah yeah so but i we but we put it in and i just like sat in the kitchen like staring at the oven because <laughs> i was so scared that we were going to forget about it and like burn down this house hey man i know how to make a cake <laughs> do you really yeah, yeah dude all right let's go we can't go drive and get one so we'll make one yeah mm. no we, no one could drive um <laughs> ended up being fine and really delicious so indeed good i that's also the that same week was the where I almost got food poisoning because I did not realize because we were making mussels. I didn't realize if the mussel was already open before you cooked it that dead. you can't you can't eat it's it. It's dead. Uh, and like I, it, I was really about to put it on the barbecue and someone was like, no, 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 <laughs> no. So I threw that on my so That was good. I learned something as well. So. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I did something exciting on Saturday. What'd you do? I got my first comic book related tattoo. Wow. Yes. So Can I got we see it's on your leg, it right? Up. Yeah, it's on um, yeah. the back of my uh, right leg. Down towards the uh, the calf and whatnot. Wow! And it is uh, the cover, the collector's edition cover for "I Kill Giants." Mm. Barbara Thorson standing atop the fallen titan's hand. Uh, it took about three hours to do, and it was the easiest tattoo I'd ever gotten done. Just chilled out. My friend's got a private studio out in Amityville, and we just—I haven't seen her in about three years. We caught up, and she just inked the back of my leg, and it looks beautiful. 
And Lots I'm of fine, very, fine work in there yes, too. Yes, I am. I'm extremely, extremely uh, happy with it. I, you know, you picture something like that, and you think it's going to look one way, and then it's finished, and the way that she incorporated it into the leg so that it could stand on its own, it's beautiful. Very, very happy. With Are you going to try to get Joe Kelly to sign it at Comic Con? Just stick your leg up in his face? No. <laughs> There's actually, it's funny, if you search like Instagram and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. you search I Kill Giants, there are a lot of people that have I Kill Giants tattoos. Um, I sent the photo to him and to um, Ken Nomura, and they both like, they were like, oh, we're honored and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm super stoked. I've been thinking about it for about two years. And finally got it done. And uh, it's just nice when something like that turns out really well and you're completely satisfied with it. Awesome. So first first step towards making some sort of a leg sleeve of, of sorts, comic mm. book stuff. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. I got a new iPhone. How Did you get wow. the Plus or the... No, the regular 6. Oh, good. Did you see I... the bending of the Plus? No, I didn't see that. There's videos now <laughs> where people have plus. had them supposedly in their front pockets mm. and the phone is literally bending mm. from, I guess they're walking their or maybe pressure, they're yeah. wearing it's it's really so tight pants or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there was a video on Gizmondo of somebody sitting down and actually applying pressure to see just how much he can bend it. Mm. And yeah, he was applying force to it and yeah. such, but it does bend. And there's mm. like, there's apparently going to be like a, like not a recall, mm. but Apple's going to have to answer for it. So how is it? It's great. I mean, I just got it. It was really funny. I, uh, I decided I was on Saturday, Karen and I were out shopping and I went to like five stores and they were all kind of on our way. We weren't going super out of our way, but I went to a couple of Best Buys. Um, we, first time we were at the mall, so I went to the Apple store. They were like, no, I went to the AT&T store. They were like, yeah, we have some, but we only have the gold, which <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm not getting the gold phone. Who gets uh, the gold one? Apparently nobody. Cause it was the only one anywhere <laughs> I left. Uh, went to Target. Like, all we have is Sprint, and no one has Sprint. So that's why they only have yeah. Sprint. Mm-hmm. Um, went to Best Buy, and that was the closest I got. I went up in there, and I was willing to do AT&T or Verizon, because Karen has Verizon. So I was like, I'll switch and just go to the same plan. Um, they're like, oh, we have AT&T and Verizon. And as he was saying that, this guy comes and goes, oh, I just sold the 64 gig uh, AT&T. He's like, okay, so we have no AT&T left. He's like, oh, and, and the girl's like, oh, and I sold this. She's like, He's like, okay, all we have is the 128 gig phones left and i was like oh, i'm not spending 400 dollars, so Ooh. i'll see you later um and then i would just i, get, I was like okay you know what? it's gonna be a week or something I'll, uh, two weeks i'll just wait whatever it doesn't matter mm-hmm. um and it was funny because we were leaving and karen could tell, i was especially disappointed by the best buy one because i felt like i had it yeah and yeah. then it was just they gone it away from <laughs> exactly uh dangling and, the carrot and so we're leaving and karen's like i think you're gonna get one tomorrow and i was like there's no place to get anymore it's done it's over and i was actually on my way back here to the apartment because i was doing um our silent hill thing and i was like mm-hmm. i need to pick up some wires uh and stuff so i went to radio shack and i picked up and i had already called radio shack and they were like if you didn't pre-order it, you can't get it so uh, i didn't even ask and the guy by the guy was there before me i heard them saying oh they're all back ordered you know whatever and the guy was like oh i don't believe in this hype about the phone you know it was like one of those people <laughs> i'm fine with this flip phone that i have you know one of those people and so then <laughs> that was not me no it was like you, you don't even have a flip phone <laughs> no. and then i uh i got these all these like random wires and i'm sitting up there and we check out i'm talking to the guy laughing around and I'm about to walk out, and he goes, oh, he goes, look, if you know anyone who's looking for a 64-gig space gray AT&T iPhone 6, we have one left, and no one's asking about it because everyone thinks they're sold out. And I was like, are you kidding me? He goes, yeah. yeah. He, goes, I, he goes, why? He goes, that's exactly the phone that I want. So he's like, okay, I'll sell it to you right now. But then he was like, oh, the manager just left. It's locked up. I can't. Just come back tomorrow. Oh, no one's gonna buy it. I promise. Yeah. So I walked back in there yesterday, and I was like, "Hey," um, and there's this girl there who had, you know, I wasn't there the day before, and I was right. like, 
hey, um, there, somebody said they were holding the iPhone for me, and she looked at me with that look. Yeah. Like, I have no idea what you're talking yeah. about. And I was also a little scared that I was going to be like a dick who's already yelling at her about it. Right. And I was like, is anybody else here? He goes, oh, my manager's here. And he comes walking out. She's like, oh, he's here for the iPhone? And he goes, oh, okay. And he, and he had it. Very and nice. Got wow. it done. So that was cool. I mean, I was so excited. I get to spend $300. <laughs> Here, here's, my, here's my question. Yeah. I have a trade-in credit. Okay. So it's going to probably cost me about 200 mm-hmm. to get the phone. Is it worth it? I think so. I mean, I got the 64 gig one because I'm always running out of space on my like 16 gigabyte okay. one. Uh, I, it's bigger and the screen is bigger and I, I like that. Um, it's got a cool, better camera in it than I have the 5. Better camera than the 5. Yeah, I have the 4S. It's got this, uh, it's got this nifty fingerprint scanner. Ooh. That unlocks it with your fingerprint, future, which is sort of terrifying and also also cool. Uh, I just think it's great. I mean, it looks great. It's an iPhone, so I mean, it's worth it to the extent of upgrading to any iPhone is. Um, but I, I've been really liking it so far. So, has the fingerprint scanner replaced the power button into the code? Well, yeah. What you can also have the code. It, it, you have both options, so okay. that way, if it if it messes up and it's having trouble reading your fingerprint for whatever reason, okay. you can always implement the code. And it go in. Sounds like a smart idea. Yeah. Um, but I had any problem with the fingerprint scanner. Uh, it's good. The battery seems pretty good. Um, I, I, I've been I've been digging it so far. And I like the iOS 8 update stuff that's been going on. But yeah, I had a little phone trek over the weekend. Sounds like an adventure. It was. Um, but let's move on to some more co- comic book focused stuff. Uh, c- a couple news items. Uh, a big news item that happened this week. And... I'm reading off of our story on TalkingComicBooks.com. Our news team has been killing it. They have. Yeah. Hugh and Courtney have been awesome. And Courtney, Courtney Key will be on the show in a little while to talk about Gotham. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, uh, the Fox show that just premiered this week. Uh, but uh, we got news that Deadpool has a release date, February 12th, 2016, uh, with Tim Miller, <laughs> who is directing it. It's his first feature film uh, directing. He's the one who directed that, the... You know the, the um, test footage. The test footage. Oh, that was great. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, there are reports now that it's going to be PG thirteen, which is which was seemingly they hang up there the was whole a time. Blurb, yeah, which it was supposed to be R, and they fought for R, fought for R, and it seemingly announced this without any any sort of change on the rating that it was going to be an R rated movie. Now it's come out that it's going to be a PG thirteen movie, so we'll see how that 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 works. Uh, but that said, for February. Which I think is a is a great. It's like Valentine's Day, which is pretty weird. But yeah, I was just gonna say that. <laughs> I, be funny ads, you can imagine. Which I think is a great choice for them because it's a character that's very popular comic book people i don't know how popular it is with the mainstream mm-hmm. putting out a time where there's not going to be any other comic book movies for yeah. a couple months afterwards you you, get, you have an open space it's it's in a time where there usually isn't big movies so you can get all the advertising all the attention as long as it's good mm-hmm. for for that for that movie sure. it could stay in the top 10 for two months yeah it could hang in mm-hmm. until the yeah. what, what's 16 is justice league justice league yeah so the, it's actually it's only i think it actually in fact it's only a month because it's in march now the, oh. uh, that's that's Batman Superman yeah. 2016 oh, wow. Dawn of Justice right 2016 is, yeah. is Deadpool yeah. gonna be it's Fox correct yes okay yes okay. it's Fox uh, they own all the X-Men properties right um, and speaking of Fox this story came along with another story which was that they're pushing back Fantastic Four a, less than a month three weeks into August um, a lot of people are kind of positing that it's probably because Guardians of the Galaxy did so well in August, and that summer there's going to be the Avengers is going to be out. There's going to be other big, huge movies out. So move it out, put it in the space where they can be the big dog, much like the Deadpool thing. Be the At big the other dog. End. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have no idea. It's so funny because I think that someone said this in the forums or in Twitter. I don't remember what it was that. It seems like every other comic book movie is being very forward about everything that's going on with it. You're seeing set pictures, you're seeing character posters uh, of movies that are supposed to come out around the same time. Movies that are coming out, I mean, Dawn of Justice is not coming out until a year after. Yeah. 
And and then with Fantastic Four, we haven't seen anything. We've seen one photo, but it's leaked. It wasn't yeah. it's not even official, yeah. you know. And it was it wasn't even like a person in costume yeah. or or final stuff. It was a model, like yeah. the top half of a model. It was just, just it was just a bust. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, they had that Doctor Doom one too. Oh, that's, oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That, that's right. That picture. Um, Stephanie, what do you think about Deadpool movie getting a release date, and what do you think about the the shift in release for Fantastic Four? Um, I liked the Deadpool test footage a lot. Uh, to me, you know, I wasn't dying for this movie to begin with, though, so it doesn't really affect me. There's going to be a lot of stuff between now and then that'll keep me occupied. Um, so, you know, whatever. And Fantastic Four, exa- I wasn't super excited for that either. Right. So this really doesn't affect me at all. I'm just kind of like, okay, bye. <laughs> um, but, the, like, so the, de- the test footage was really good. Mm-hmm. It was. And... and- I am like a kind of a casual Deadpool fan. I, I like what they're doing in the comics now. And if they can bring that sort of weird mad capness to the movie, yeah. it, it'll be something completely different. That, that's not something anyone's doing right now. Mm-hmm. So if they do that, I think they have a good chance to hit a, a chord. I, think I do they... think it's weird though, that it's going to be that they're aiming now for the PG 13. Um, yeah. I, that definitely lowers um, my hopes. Yeah, I, I think it, I, I guarantee you it's one of those situations where Fox was like, okay, either we're killing it completely or you got to make a PG-13 because we they have to move on. You know, mm-hmm. what were you going to say, Bob? Well, I think they fell into something very nicely here because if they had done this a few years back when all the superhero movies were really, really deadly serious, mm-hmm. might not have played in the same way. You might have ended up with a Punisher movie, only it looks like Deadpool. With the success of Guardians, mm. they feel, okay, we, we have a character. We can be weird and crazy, and let's go for it. Yeah. And that probably got it greenlit. I, you know, Bob, I never even thought of that. But the Guardi- I, I was thinking of the Guardians thing much more the Fantastic Four release date, but mm. Guardians with Deadpool, it makes so much sense. <laughs> like, you think, this guy's funny. Look at, these guys. Look at this yeah. guy. <laughs> That's what I'm and feeling. he kills people, too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I saw Guardians for a third time this nice. past weekend with my mom. She loved it. Awesome. She called me up the next day on the phone. She goes, can we talk about Groot? Oh, sure. <laughs> it is very close to becoming the second highest grossing Marvel movie. It's very close to the fourth right Iron now? Man. I think it's the fourth. Wow, yeah. yeah, it just passed Iron Man two. Um, it's I think thir- fifteen million behind Iron Man or something like that. Wow. Maybe less now that we've. Uh, it might be less now after this past weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, yeah, it's the highest grossing movie of the year by far. It's crazy how popular that's been. Uh, and there were predictions of doom. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they're not showing clips. They're not doing this. They're not doing that. Uh, let's wait. Yeah. And it, 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 it did great. So we'll see. Fox, an interesting slate coming up. It's going to be an interesting couple of months for them. See if they can... You know, I, I really like X-Men Days of Future Past, and it, it did well at the box office, but I, I don't think it did as well as they were hoping it would do. No, started well, faded quick. Yeah, they want to kind of be punching mm-hmm. with Marvel, and I, I want to see... These are movies that are going to... They're Obviously, they're going to be trying. Uh, we heard about X-Men Apocalypse now. Brian Singer is directing it. Um, rumors of recasting Gene and Scott and Storm uh, for, for it <laughs> uh, are, are abound, but those are all just rumors and hearsay at this point. So we'll have to see what happens there. Um, the other big kind of rumors. <laughs> the other big thing was that uh, we talked about the rumors of it, and then it seemed like a little bit more real. And this week, CBS ordered a full se- a full series commitment of Supergirl. Um, so gonna happen it's gonna happen now cbs seems like a odd choice although it just might be them trying realizing they need to young up their their programming a little bit Hmm. um crazy it gets a full series order before they've shot a pilot before they did anything Hmm. that doesn't happen with a lot of shows um but seems like 
Greg Berlanti, who does The Flash and does Arrow, it just has a lot of clout right now, especially in the in this sort of avenue. It seems like there's a lot of stuff being announced with nothing that really, like they're throwing things at the wall to see what sticks, but nothing's had the chance to really show itself yet. Mm. And all the, I feel like every other day I hear about another television show coming out of DC. Yeah, so, they're, they're, they're putting the pedal to the metal. So what yep. is... CBS, what are their? Sh- I'm not familiar with. C- I don't have TV, so uh, CBS is well. They're known as kind of like the 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 murder channel, right? So they're like NCIS, yeah. okay. CSI. They do all like the like you know like the the cold case, all those sh- those okay. shows that are like somebody got killed. Cop dramas, Crim- yeah. Criminal Minds, is Criminal Minds too? is them, and, and they're known for comedies. Like I'd say, known in quotes, The Big Bang Theory is at CBS. Um, two broke girls is that two broke the- girls is CBS. Mm-hmm. Uh, two and a half men is CBS. All those gems. Yeah. So we're aiming <laughs> high. Yeah, we're aiming high. Yeah. Um, Supergirl in- Miami. Supergirl <laughs> Los Angeles. And New York coming next fall. And it's not that like those kind of like those procedural drama shows are bad. They're just not my cup of tea. From the description they for the show, it seems like it's just Supergirl. It seems that the description is very Supergirl. Uh, there was a lot of questions. I read an article. I think it was IGN was talking about, you know, how are they going to introduce the superman of it all like what is his place going to be here is he never going to appear and just be mentioned is there are they going to pretend are they going to just not him not exist in this world at all um like what is it going to be because it's this weird kind of thing where he's one of those characters that's not going to be involved at all in the tv stuff for the most part so just like bat grown-up batman isn't going to be involved so what do you do when they're kind of part of the the specter of the show. If it runs 11 years the way Smallville did, right. they'll figure it out and they'll be very happy to be cashing the checks all along. <laughs> yeah. um, Is she still... Kara Zor-El, that's that it's okay. Kara Zor-El. So it's wow. yeah, uh, Kryptonian learning to live in, you know, Earth, modern day Earth. So, I mean, look, I think it's it's a, it's a female-led superhero show, oh. which is, a, it's that's great. Yes. Um, An iconic Silver yes. Age character, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Greg Berlanti has been doing great stuff with Arrow and Flash, so I think that if if, if that sort of still bra- that brain trust with Jeff Johns is still kind of the the core of that and, and is still um, leading them, that it, I think it's going to be more like those shows than the other CBS shows that, that we know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it'll reach all new audiences when she teams up with Horatio. <laughs> that is a CSI reference? Yeah, it is. <laughs> <Okay>. Wow. <laughs> CSI Miami. <laughs> that was a that was a deep cut You're for anyone who's ride. not a middle aged yeah, woman. I had no idea what was happening. <laughs> yeah. I lived with my Oma for a few years. There you <laughs> go. Who exactly is Horatio? Horatio Hornblower. No, I know him. You know, he's uh, David Crusoe, right? <laughs> yes. On C- he's a lead of CSI uh, Miami. Yeah. He's responsible for like all those terrible, terrible like puns when he finds like a dead body. Yeah. Looks like this one is a cold case. Find somebody in the freezer. <laughs> yeah. And he puts on his sunglasses and then, the, the, you know, yep. the, the who si- plays. The science in those shows is so terrible. It's a TV show. All their labs have fake equipment. It's hysterical. Um, what do you think about a Supergirl show, Stephanie? I, I think it has potential. I mean, I'm excited that it exists. I'm not so excited about who's doing it. <laughs> but, I mean... It can't be worse than the Wonder Woman one. It's true. Or can it? Which, no, I don't think th- so. The failed David E. Kelly pilot or the Amazon show they'd never even filmed. Because there was, a, there was another pilot. The one starring shoot. Adrian mm. Pellicky. Yeah. Oh, I, that's that's a great one for drunk tweeting, Stephen. Do, <laughs> do you think we'd get in trouble for like recording like a, a track for that? No, you can't. No, as long as you don't have any of the the audio like from the playing. 
Yeah. No, it doesn't matter. Hmm. <laughs> well, go get it yourself, fans, at a yeah. convention, and we'll you know, we'll start here. Uh, no, but there was another pilot that they were going to do called Amazon. Yeah. That yeah. was the teenage yes. Wonder Woman fighting with her mother and yeah, a, sort of goth emo Wonder Girl mm. thing oh, wow. that bombed before they even got it off the I mean, line. they didn't even go to production of no. it. Um, it. That was, uh, what's his name? The guy who did uh, the first Young Avengers run. He also wrote Wonder Woman for a little while. Can I remember his name right now? Um, it's escaping me, but I will remember it at some point. <laughs> uh, you know, he's a comic book writer and stuff, but they never got the ground. But they're saying now that there's another thing in the pipeline or something. But so those are kind of big entertainment news, and we're going to talk about another one of those TV shows. Okay, but, no, there yeah. was one other interesting oh, story. Up? Very late, uh, Marvel announced that the uh, Milo Mariner covers for oh, yes. one of the Axis and the Thors have been canceled. Yes, yes, they 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 announced they had so been good for them. Yeah. They got that right. After uh, blowing it on the other one, <laughs> uh, yeah, that one the the Spider Woman variant is still coming out. Sadly, because they they solicited, I'm sure people ordered it. So at a certain point, it's you're already you're already crossed mm-hmm. the, the threshold at that point. Um, let's move on to talk about some some comic books, though. Let's do some uh, lightning round. Steve, hey, you're gonna go first. I always go first. I will go first. Um, you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Lightning round, go. All right, so I finished reading Original Sin. I'm not going to talk too much about it. That's why I put it in my lightning round, because we may or may not have a lengthy discussion on it at another time. I read numbers seven and eight to finish off the series, and it was all right. It was all right. It was, um, I feel kind of bad because I read it a bit out of, uh, it had been a couple weeks since reading uh, number six, but uh, coming back to it, it was definitely art-wise, absolutely gorgeous some of the interstellar stuff was just beautiful uh the way it ended was i wouldn't call it satisfying but definitely put into perspective what's happening as a result of this like eight months later stuff that's going on um so if you've been reading original sin i definitely recommend finishing it it will give you a leg up on what's to come in the marvel universe um, feels significant, just doesn't have the punch. Didn't have the punch of Infinity. I really enjoyed Infinity when that was coming out. Um, Storm, number two. We talked about it a few weeks ago with Bob, and I just wanted to say it was uh, by Greg Pak. I really enjoyed it. Um, I do kind of agree with Stephanie in a sense of that there's no clear definition as to where the series is headed, but I kind of don't mind. I'm, I'm enjoying these uh, sort of one-off issues of kind of redefining who Storm is in the Marvel Universe and kind of shaking off that, you know, nagging motherly vibe that she's had for the past couple years and just recasting her as this very um, powerful and and just great character in, uh, in the Marvel U. I liked it. And the other book I wanted to talk about really, really quick is Daredevil number eight. Uh, of course, this is by Mark Wade with art by Chris Samney. And holy crap. I don't usually get freaked out by comic books. This issue freaked me out. Um, what you have is Daredevil and his, uh, his new assistant, Kristen McDuffie, going off to visit her, uh, her father. She, hasn't, she doesn't really quite get along with him, thinks that there might be an angle, and there is. Father is looking to possibly get Matt Murdock to uh, write a book about him and tell his story. While all this is going on and they're having a nice day off on some, you know, fancy smancy boat there's a dude going around that has these children with the like what would you say like blank minds or these 
Well, I mean, possessed. I mean, no, because the character is the purple man. Okay, grave. Yeah, who can control people's minds. Ah, so that's why he's able to control people's minds. There you go. Yeah. So you've got a very kind of children of the corn vibe going on. Uh, It also harkened back a little bit to uh, Salem's Lot, Stephen King's Salem's Lot, the film when the little kids like hovering outside of his window. He's let me in, Mm, let me in. But I mean, the the dark shadowy colors, just super super creepy. Um, Daredevil continues to be absolutely phenomenal. This might be my favorite issue in the since it's been revamped of uh, the new series so far. Yeah. Um, one quick thing, even though I'm out of time, I like how Daredevil is not afraid to delve into the horror genre. Like out of nowhere, they just throw in these these cool little horror angles, and just in time for Halloween. Yeah. See, well, yeah go ahead. Sorry, go, no, go, no, go, no, go ahead. See, I see that cover, and I pointed out when we did mm. our covers article. Yeah. There's, there was a terrible remake with Christopher Reeve, but there's a 1960 British film called Village of the Damned. Mm, yeah. Yes. That's yeah. the one I'm thinking of. Yeah. Mm. yeah. That is just... Go back and watch the old one. It's just really, really super. It's a book by John Wyndham, who also wrote uh, Day of the Triffids. Mm. But the book is called The Midwich Cuckoos. Does anyone know why? Now I'm <laughs> no. playing school teacher. No. Because cuckoos lay eggs in other birds' nests so that those other birds raise their young. Mm. So... The idea of space children being born to human mothers <laughs> who all had weird, very white hair and mental powers and right, cre- yeah. creepy nice. stuff. So uh, for, I, I, this is, I got to agree with Steve. I mean, it's, it's one of my favorite issues um, of the of the, this new run, if not my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, and first of all, Kristen is not his assistant. She's his partner. She's oh. like the new like law partner. My mistake. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but um, what, I, what I love about it, you, the horror thing, you're absolutely right. And it reminds me a lot of... Um, it was during the uh, earlier in the Daredevil run, around the time they were doing like the the Jackal and all this stuff. They were he was doing it as well. He was doing horror stuff mm-hmm. in the book, and he got asked about an interview, and he said part of the reason I do it is because b- back then was because there's this weird idea that Daredevil is some sort of like my Daredevil is some sort of like throwback Silver Age like everybody smiles book, and he's like mm-hmm. that's not what it is. He's like you know th- there's. I definitely lightened it up, but it's still has serious stuff going on. So he's like, sometimes I feel like I have to overcorrect to let people know that like right. this this is not like something that you know this is not super friends. You know this yeah. is, this <laughs> is a story, uh, and the purple man stuff is great. I mean, I, he was in an episode of that uh, Avengers. Uh, the Earth Mice Heroes show, um, and he was also uh, he was in a run of the Jason Aaron Wolverine the X Men. Yes, as well. Uh, he goes way back. right. Yeah, I know it's Daredevil four. Oh wow! I think wow, uh, great character, scary character. But what happens at the end is such a great moment. Right. It's such a great moment, and it's even it's 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 so much scarier than if it had gone the way yeah. that I thought it was going to go. Uh, really, really cool. Great new start to to this new uh, this new arc. For it's Daredevil. so co- like it's so cool that I mean we've seen you know Wolfman and Frankenstein and mm-hmm. and you know Lady Dracula and just all these classic characters and now just I love all the horror elements that seem to just we're cruising along with Daredevil we're dealing with you know cases and Mm. and the disappearance of Foggy and all this stuff and then boom you have this crazy scary issue of Daredevil to read that just hits you out of nowhere and now we're entrenched in like all this darkness and and horror stuff while still dealing with all the the I wouldn't say lightheartedness, but the mm. lighter toned stuff yeah. with like the father and his proposal and mm. things and all that's going on in daredevil land. But then on the other side of town, there's this crazy, scary stuff going on. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Uh, great, 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 great stuff. And, uh, 
I will say that uh, it's big in this, but the new colorist is Matthew Wilson. He's a new colorist in the book. Mm-hmm. Javier Rodriguez mm-hmm. moved on. And it, the colors are extremely important in this issue, especially because purple is such a big theme. And they're right. amazing. amazing. Um, and I just want to put it out there really quick in case you, um, I didn't mention it earlier when we <laughs> talked. Uh, Jason Aaron is the writer of Original Sin, and Mike Diodato is the artist. Yes. All right. Stephanie. Hello. You ready for some lightning round? Yes. That doesn't sound very very sure of yourself. I am sure of something. Okay. I'm <laughs> sure that you will only have three minutes to talk. So here we go and go. I read The Returning from Boom Studios and they have like this new kind of creepy horror line, you know, between like this and The Woods and The Empty Man and um, a few other things that are really hitting the shelves. They're, you know, kid stuff slash nightmares. Uh <laughs> <laughs> and the returning, I thought at first, it's it focuses on um, this girl who comes back from the dead, like she has a near death experience, and it was very similar to um, kind of how revival started out, where they come back, they're seemingly normal, and then some of the people are changed in a way, um, and although that builds up a little bit in revival, it takes some time to get into. That's something that is a main focus in this book, and these people that are coming back from the dead, I think they're called changers. Um, They're going crazy and killing people. Uh, And this girl comes back and she doesn't have any desire to kill people, but all the people around her start dying and she has to go on the run. And this stranger comes and tries to help her, but she thinks, you know, he's bad and evil. Um, And it was a really interesting book. Um, I, I enjoyed it. I read the first two issues and it definitely takes, the first issue was a lot like revival. And then the second issue really defines itself and kind of makes it stand out and stand alone. And it's not the same thing at all. So I thought that was a really interesting series to check out um, the empty man and uh, the returning, I guess, just because they're both creepy things from boom kind of caught my eye around the same time. And uh, if you're looking for something creepy, you know, October's coming up, Halloween, definitely check this out. Um, I also read another book from Boom called Cloaks. We might have talked about this before on a show I missed out on, but um, <laughs> it was really interesting. Uh, focuses on a kid that does illusions, um, and after he's set up for a crime that he sort of hasn't really committed yet, um, <laughs> he winds up in being propositioned to work for some people who we don't know who they are yet. Um, dun, dun, dun. So yeah, dun, dun, dun. we don't know if they're good. We don't know if they're bad. They say they're good, but most pro- people probably would say that, wouldn't they? <laughs> um, Everything's so, fine. Everything's yeah. Fine. It's good. It's cool. It's cool. Um, to so, see here. Yeah. So I really enjoyed the issue. I liked the art a lot, like the colors, um, and interested to see where it goes. I didn't have any other issues of this other than number one. So um, I'm definitely going to see um, quickly. Low um, by Rick Remender. I'm honestly not enjoying this series as much as I thought I would. Um, and I'm a little bit disappointed. Uh, I don't know if it's just me, but like, I really like it's Tocini, right? The artist? Yes. Um, I really like the art, but I don't know if it works for this book. Like, I just find You're it kind of, of <laughs> like, it muddles things. Yeah, I've never been a huge fan of his art. I think, um, yeah. like, Mm-hmm. He's like a great painter, like a cover artist or something, but I don't think he tells a story very well. Yeah, I would agree with that. Absolutely. Um, Me three. Yeah. 
And yeah, like I, I'm really disappointed in this book. This was probably like one of the books I was most excited for, and it's also probably my biggest disappointment. All right. Way to end it on a downer note, Stephanie. Yeah, yeah harsh. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Bob, you ready? Sure. Lightning round, go. Well, I'll stay on the Boom Studios track. George Perez's Sirens, one of six, came out. So it was a good start, a really interesting premise, and we're introduced to three of six time-tossed heroines and some of their supporting cast really quickly as we go on a quest with some Vikings in 1104 AD to the far future, back to ancient Rome, and then to the Arizona West. Awesome. Uh, now, the only thing is it's very old-fashioned, lots of words, lots of words, and some old-fashioned colors, but it's just great to see one of the masters at the drawing board again. So I don't know if I'm going to... I'll wait one more issue to see if I'm trade winning. It's only six, but I think it'll read real neat together. X-Factor 14, uh, another sort of one-off. Wanda pays a visit to her her half-sister Lorna, which goes about as well as you'd figure it would, except Lorna decides to bring Wanda along on a trip to a renaissance fair with Danger, the robotic embodiment of the Danger Room, who gets decked out in one of those SCA cloak things and looks exactly like Dr. Doom, Hmm. which is pretty bizarre. (laughs) What ends up happening, though, is Wanda down some pints, her first. The girls encounter a witch-burning recreation that turns into a real witch-burning, and hilarity ensues, as well as action and adventure and such. (laughs) But X-Factor has been so good, again, so I'm very happy about that. Avengers 35... We're back to the top as we go all the way back around to Ex Nilo and Abyss again and Thor and Hyperion out in the Savage Lands. And we have jumped ahead eight months. Says so right on the cover. Time runs out. Ha ha. Worlds are still colliding. Things are going on. And we're now looking for Amadeus Show, the eighth smartest man in the world and the Illuminati. Ooh. And there's a new group of dark Avengers to be worrying about. I won't say who they are. Now. I had something else, but we're doing that later, so we're going to this. Thanks to Seth on the forums, I went running back into my archives for some old Wonder Woman. Eric Luke, who created Ghost back in the day, so thanks to Seth on that. He asked me what I thought of this, and he did a really nice job. He's underappreciated. He only did about 15 issues, but in this one, it's a two-parter called Trinity, one and two. <gasps> What's on that cover? <laughs> Uh, Diana, Diana ends up trapped in a dream world created by the demigod Oblivion and manifested by the technology of her robot plane. Now, in this world, what she's dreaming is that people have actually... I'm actually looking at the clock this time. Yeah. They've accepted her mission and her statements about things, and the whole world is now a peaceful, wonderful place. They can't wake her up out of this dream. They finally do. Batman gets her out of it, and then the, the technology captures all of them. And they go into another world where, yeah, they're the heroes and all, and Superman and Wonder Woman are together. And then we have to deal with sacrifice and change and real identities. That's Wonder Woman 140 and 141, 1999. You still did it. I don't know how you do it. Every week, you talk about more books than any of us, and you still manage to have it sound like entirely cohesive, it's to the point, and you got like five or six books in there. I write it all down, and I have drafts, and I try to do it. Brilliant. I, I want to ask a question about you know you sure. mentioned the uh, um, the, the smartest men in the world, like the how I'm far how show. far do you think they rank them in the in the universe? I think they got to ten because they were actually at some point there's a joke about him actually he's probably only really the tenth. Oh, uh, okay. Because I know right what uh, Mr. Terrific is the third smartest man. Well, that's in the DC universe. Yeah, that's what I mean. But I'm saying okay. like for both universes, yeah. I think it's funny when they have like the. 
the rankings of, of <laughs> how smart someone is. Maybe it's it's like the NCAA football polls or whatever. They, they, they Reed and Tony Stark and Hank Pym go out and have a vote, and have, or they arm wrestle, or maybe they, they drink. They play a drinking game to see who can get blitzed quickest. <laughs> All right. It's my turn for some lightning round, and go. All right, so some Future's End business. Uh, Batman and Robin, uh, Future's End. Made uh, you know some some news in some ways because we have what is seemingly uh, a new Robin. We don't again. This is five years in the future. Um, he's black. He's big. He's tall. He's strong. Um, and Batman is facing down against someone who looks like the the person who killed Damien back in Batman Incorporated, oh, mm-hmm. uh, who himself was a clone of Damien. So it's like a very <laughs> weird thing. Uh, it was good. It was, in- but I. It feels to me like just a false, like a red herring. Like I, because it, it it would suppose that we already know the end of Robin Rises at this. Then mm-hmm. you know that Damien doesn't come back, and there's this new Robin. I mean, I'm sure they could. They, there's wiggle room. They could have like, oh, we just didn't talk about D- Damien. You know, Batman would still want to get you know answers from the guy he thought killed him or whatever. <laughs> but it's it, it just didn't play for me. Um, it's just first continuity. Uh, Justice League uh, features end number one. This is a uh, Jeff Lemire. Um, I thought this was pretty cool. This was like a, it was doc, not Dr. Manhattan, Captain Adam, yeah. uh, is apparently in some of the future gone a little bit kooky and, and has kind of ascended that Dr. Manhattan state where he feels above wow. humanity and he, he killed a bunch of people in the name of saving a bunch of people and the Justice League are trying to keep him in this prison uh, on Mars. I thought it was some cool ideas and raised some neat things and that, it, that felt like, oh, this is a story that could, could be because we're not dealing with specific events that I know are going to happen or not happen, uh, currently. Um, and then we have, uh, uh, uncanny X-Men number 26 and all new X-Men number 32, uh, kind of dealing with two sides of the same coin here, but, uh, all new X-Men sees the, the original X-Men lost in the ultimate universe. And I thought all of the interplay between the characters was really, really good. Um, the art by, uh, Mahmoud Asrar is is great. All the interaction with Miles and stuff was was, was a lot of fun. Uh, so that is, that's that storyline shaping up to be really really cool. And Uncanny X Men was pretty intense and crazy. It's awesome, uh, but a really really awesome. Avengers X Men teaming up, Shield asking for help, all of those kind of things. This this kind of Omega mutant that we learned about in in the last issue yep. has has done some not so great stuff. So uh, it, it's all coming to a head in, in kind of both places. And for the first time, I feel like both series are kind of on their own, doing their own thing, which I think makes both of them feel more vital because they get to do their own their own thing. They're not mm. so intertwined with each other in, in, in every moment. Because now Scott is, you know, because the all new kids have gone over to Uncanny and first, first of all, the switching back and forth. Now they kind of separate stories to go on. So I like those both those books quite a bit. All right, that's it. Very nice. Ten seconds. Nicely done. All right. Books of the week. Da-da-da. Steve. Yeah. Tell me about the storyteller. Tell you about the storyteller? Yeah. This book, man. This book. Talking about... <laughs> this is from Archaea, and it's uh, Jim Henson's The Storyteller Witches, Tale One of Four. Uh, here we go with the last names. This is by... Hold on, I'll read it officially. Written, illustrated, and lettered by S.M. Vidari? Is that? I think, yeah. yeah Vidowry? Yeah. Vidowry, probably. Vidowry. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So this is a straight-up fairy tale from the world of Jim Henson and the storyteller. I believe, Bob, maybe you can help me on this. The storyteller was an old Jim Henson program, 
or or a series of stories? TV show, late seventies. I know it was an old comic 80s? book. Um, you I think Neil Gaiman this. had something to do with it, quite possibly. Nope. Oh, anyway, out of my pay grade. <laughs> in the spirit of not wanting to give misinformation, <laughs> let's just talk about this storyteller. So this is one of those books that I I don't have kids. I don't have kids. I doubt I will ever have kids. Um, but if I did, this is a book that I would hold on to. And for the, specifically for the purpose of when they were old enough to sit in bed and read them bedtime stories, I would hold on to this comic book and read it. Wow. Um, this is it's called one of four, but it might as well be a one shot or a one of one thing because it begins and ends within the same issue. And what you have is a story about a young girl whose father is a king and the king goes out and he destroys this gigantic tree in the forest, fashions a crown out of it, and basically ends up creating a curse within the forest and pissing off the forest spirit. And throughout time, a curse gets put on the family. And then there's later in the story, I don't want to give too much away, there's a there's an exchange of power between the forest and the princess uh, throughout time. But if you want to talk about art, this book, anybody, if you guys see this on the shelves, if you've picked it up, it is absolutely just breathtakingly gorgeous. It looks every page, every panel, it, there's not even panels, no. like at all. This is just like painted pages of uh, just gorgeous, gorgeous fairy tale storyland stuff. And the way that it's written out, like when you're reading it, it's a little bit of a task. It's one of those things, like I mention it. As like a bedtime story, you'd have to be a pretty crafty parent in order to read this with any kind of like fluidity because um, you're going to be turning the page and kind of like rotating it in your lap as you're going by. But the way that it's written, it feels like an old, not so much of a, of a Grimm's fairy tale. It's, it's much lighter than a Grimm's fairy tale. Grimm's tend to be kind of dark. This reminds me more of like something from Aesop and... Um, it's just absolutely spectacular. This this forest god that they've created for this is kind of this bunny with antlers coming out of his ears. And it's a lot about respect for nature. And it's got all of the makings of like those cool fairy tale elements that you found in the Disney films. And, you know, what's what's to do right by like inheriting responsibility and taking that responsibility and actually doing something great with your responsibility and with your power and one who sacrifices their power ends up better in the end ends up more powerful in the end it basically you're reading this to somebody it teaches them to take the higher road so Mm -hmm. to speak um like i said it's absolutely gorgeous it almost looks like soft um like stained glass window type paintings um bobby you read yeah you read this right yeah i did um I think it's gorgeous. What it reminds me of, and it's, it reminds me of kind of, you know, at the beginning, I believe it, in the beginning of Beauty and the Beast, where they're kind of telling the story of how... Yes. With the, the rose. Yeah, with the rose. Mm-hmm. Yes. It reminds me of that in, as a full story. Perfect. Yes. Um, that kind of design, that, that kind of, you know, almost looks like, you know, Hans Christian Andersen kind of brought to life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought it was, it's gorgeous. It's so well designed. I love the design of the, like, of the Lord of the Forest. I think it's such a cool combination of um, mythological creatures and themes and, and imagery um, I will say I, the only thing I'll say about it is that is that this definitely feels like a book because since RK merged with boom and it, I think it's a good idea 
RK has now been releasing monthly issues instead of just releasing trades. This definitely feels like this was a trade, and they're like, cut it up into four things. Yes. Um, and like I said, Steve said, it's more like a one shot. There, it says in the the last page of the book says, you know, uh, what is it, the tale of the White Witch or something like that? The Magic Swan Goose and the Lord of the Forest. Yeah, yeah. But uh, oh, sorry, but then the, the next issue is the oh, Snow yes. Witch. Right. Um, it tells you it's in landscape format, and it gives you kind of a preview of the art, and it looks unbelievably gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I don't think it's it's definitely not a rip off to to get get this issue. No. But what I did find myself was at the end of it, I felt like I wish that I had you know more to read because right. it is complicated to read. It takes time, but it's it, again, it's more like a storybook, so there isn't as much content there right. as is normally there in, in a full story. So I, if I had more, if mm-hmm. I could read the whole thing, I think it'd be a really, really cool package to have. Right. I'm- like it's one of those things that when you know when we get asked for advice on suggesting comic books to kids. Everybody's always concerned about characters. Like, what character can I give them? Mm-hmm. What character is good? This is one of those things that you could pick up and you could read with your children that it's a storybook. You don't have to worry about character. The characters are all here and it's a one and done kind of mm-hmm. thing. It definitely does feel like one chapter of a bigger mm-hmm. thing. I Obviously, there's going to be like a collection. This won't come out into the whole book. You know, yeah. the storyteller and then there'll be four separate stories. But it almost reminds me of one of those, like almost like a Akira Kurosawa film that's broken up into chapters, mm-hmm. or um, his movie Dreams, mm-hmm. where you go through all these different people's dreams throughout the film, where it's four separate stories, all within the vein of you know fairy tale elements and stuff like that. But it's cool, it's creepy, it harkens back to a ton of things that you've heard in the past between, um, I guess, Rapunzel and, um, oh, what was the one with the goose? I can't remember. But... Um, and just one more thing about the about the art, um, the script and the the writing in it and all and all the wording. I loved how it wasn't just as simple as putting like words on a page. They went really super artful with it, uh, and like even some of the words are actual things. Like if you um, spell out the word branches, it, the word itself is actually coming off of a tree, and the branches themselves are what's making that word. Mm. Um, so I thought that was very cool. But like I said, if you are going to read this to your child, um, you're going to have to kind of read ahead of yourself so that you can manipulate <laughs> the book uh, so that it flows well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it, you can definitely tell it's, the, it's a work of one mind. You know, it's got such yeah. a, a cool design. Bob, did you take a look at no, it? No, just okay. here briefly. Now, is the second issue by the same? No, it's a different person. Nope. I think each one's a different person. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Absolutely. So, um, Stephanie, did you get a chance to read this? I didn't. I didn't. Get... Okay. Uh, I think you'd really like it, stuff. Like a lot. You should. You should see so. if you can find it. Yeah. Yeah. And I gotta tell you, like, it, it, I, when I was a, you know, Tale of Sand that came out a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, gorgeous book to look at. Uh, I can, I don't understand a word of it. So that's mm-hmm. what I I was worried about. Right. I was worried like, oh, this is gonna be gorgeous to look at, but I'm not gonna understand it. Um, and then, but it wasn't. It, it's very. It's very. It's complicated to read because of the design. But the story is very straightforward and easy to easy to deal with. Yep, and it's a nice story. It is. It's a nice story Definitely. with lots of good morals to mm. it, and uh, it's a good way to just relax. Like I picked it up not knowing what to expect. I thumbed through it in the store and I was like, "Oh, this looks gorgeous." Mm. But you know, I worry because I've read a lot of stuff from Arkea, and sometimes their stuff is hit and miss. And I was pleasantly very very surprised cool. by this and, and enjoyed it a lot i will definitely be picking up uh issue number two because that artwork looks absolutely insane as yeah. well yeah 
Uh, and my other favorite book of the week is Thor, God of Thunder, number 25, the God-sized final issue. Uh, this is the final issue of Thor Thor, uh, male <laughs> Thor. I thought that I would be getting a different issue when I picked this up, and I read this. You're not caught up on Thor. Not caught up, no. You're not. Okay. Not caught up. So, in keeping with the momentum of 22, 23, 24, you were kind of, I was, well, not, I was expecting it to, I was expecting to find out what the hell's going on <laughs> with this crossover and switching over to the female Thor next issue. I thought that we would have some answers. No. Hmm. Uh, what you have here is Odin's granddaughters hanging out in a library and basically going through old books and looking up old tales. You've got a uh, tale of how Malekith, uh came to be, his childhood, and, and the way that he was raised and the horrible things that he was put through and meant to do, and basically how he was a um, almost like a squire to like, a powerful wizard where he learned all of his you know nasty magics and whatnot and uh, just became a really terrible person that you don't want to mess with. And uh, you also get this really, really cool uh, Frost Giant story. They switch up the artwork throughout the book. I should probably read some of these. Uh, Jason Aaron, of course, is the writer. Uh, the 13th son of a 13th son is R.M. Guerra as on art. And Galila Brusco uh, as color artist. And the Blood and Ice, uh, Simon Baisley is, Bilsley is the artist. Uh, names. I can't. <laughs> I can't sometimes. <laughs> Okay, so like I said, it's not what I expected. I expected to get more answers. I expected to kind of see the fallout of issues 24 and stuff like that. And instead, we got a series of, of stories involving Thor throughout different times. And lo and behold, there is a book in the library bound with chains that no one has ever read until now. And that is going to be the next chapter of Thor, the female Thor. Um it's not the most satisfying ending to, in my opinion, one of the most absolutely epic uh, comic book runs that I've read since doing this show, but it was still really satisfying. Like, I like it when a book, if it takes a turn and it's not what you want it to be, that it turns out to be something else that you enjoy. And I liked the little snippets and the little stories. I love learning more about Malekith. Some of the coolest stuff in the Thor God of Thunder was the Malekith arc with him stuck down in the black pit and him getting out. And just, he's so creepy, like so, so creepy. And um, I really enjoy his character. It was cool to kind of see where he came from and um, just really sets you up for being excited now that the, the carrot has been dangling long enough to find out just exactly what makes Thor lose his hammer. You know, I've seen four different issues this past week of him <laughs> trying to pull that damn thing up off the moon and he can't do it. And we still don't know indefinitely why. So, I mean, instead of being like, oh, OK, well, that was a soft ending. I am so much more pumped and so much more interested to get my answers and see the new direction and just learn what's inside of that book that they find in the library and what is so unbelievable that had to be. It had to be taken away, bound, and hidden, presumably for the rest of days. Mm -hmm. They found it, and now next month, come October, we're gonna we're gonna find out. And as a Thor fan, I am psyched. Yeah, I mean, the thing we gotta think of too is that 
I mean, this is the end of this series, but it's really not the end, right? Because right. it's J- still Jason Aaron doing right. the writing. So mm-hmm. if this was 10 years ago, this next issue would just be Thor 26. Right. You know, it wouldn't be a, a new number one. But because kind of the world we live in now, we're new numbering one-ing every yeah. chance to get. So uh, I think it, it creates almost like a false set of expectations. Because this isn't yeah. like Gail Simone leaving Batgirl or Jeff Johns leaving Green Lantern. This is just... You know, the end of a volume, basically. It's the end of a story arc. It was just, it was strange because the arcs for Thor, God of Thunder, have been so big. They've been five and six issues. And I mean, one issue alone, just all the events that happen in it, the the gravity of it, the way that it's written, the, the, the God killer and all of this stuff, the Malekith story... They all seem, with the exception of that one issue where Thor gets drunk with the the dragon on the beach and stuff mm-hmm. like that, like they've all been these massive, massive things. So you expect, you know, God sized final issue for it to be this massive crescendo and finale, you know, curtain draw and the whole bit. And it wasn't anything like that. It was instead of telling you the end of this story, we're going to tell you a couple of smaller stories, and then we're going to let you know that we have a much larger story to tell this is not over. Mm-hmm. So rather it feeling like a final issue, it feels almost like a springboard for the next series. And I think that's brilliant. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. So uh, Thor God of Thunder number 25. And, and the Storyteller. The Storyteller. Which is number one. All right. Stephanie. Hello. Uh, what do you got for us? I've got books. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know. Everyone is like so organized and we have this nice little thread of emails in which we tell each other what we're reading so we can all read up on it. And then like Tuesday rolls around and Bobby's like, Steph, what are you reading? Yeah. The like, first thing I ask is, are you on the show this week? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always want to be on the show, Bobby. I know. I know. All right. Busy times. Busy times. Busy times. Um, all right. So first up, my first book is... Copperhead number one from Image Comics. Um, so this is, let me see, who's on this book? Story by Jay Farber and art by Scott Godlewski, Godlewski and Ron Riley. Um, so Copperhead is kind of like, this is my idea of how to pitch it, like the elevator <laughs> pitch. It's like Deadwood, alien Deadwood, but with a female in the lead instead of Timothy Oliphant. <laughs> um, sure. So I'm the fucking sheriff. Yeah. <laughs> Check out my hat. She <laughs> is the fucking sheriff. <laughs> and she ain't taking shit from no one. Um, so there's a new sheriff in town. And uh, it's a shitty town. It is a really shitty town. Copperhead sucks. <laughs> it's a mining town. Um, you know, there's... There's corruption and her deputy really hates her um i I guess like from what i'm kind of grasping this planet was um you know kind of helped along into civilization by humanity and even though the uh people that live on this planet are supposed to like native to the planet are supposed to be able to you know we're in power they're not really so instead of one of the natives being made sheriff, they bring in somebody from off world. Um, and, uh, she brings her young son with her and she's clearly got some shit that's gone down in her past. You don't know what that is. Um, but she is running from something 
after something has happened, um, and she's run to the shithole, <laughs> which she's a sheriff now. Um, and like immediately, as soon as she's in the front door, shit starts going down in the shithole. <laughs> and uh, she's be got setting to... a record tonight, I think. <laughs> and she has got to sort that shit out. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, really though, Deadwood in space with a lady. It's really good. I loved the art. Um, it's it's a, it's a space western. It's a space western. Pow, pow. <laughs> should be more of those. Quote, quote on the book. <laughs> it's a space, it's space western. western. <laughs> finger and like a little like finger, finger guns. guns. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't they have finger gun emoji? I don't know. Emoji. They should. You should make one. They don't one. have bacon emoticons. What's up with that? It's bullshit. It's just so stupid. Anyways, yeah, let's so, talk about this more. <laughs> did anyone ever see the space westerns that Peter David wrote? The two Oblivion movies? No. No. Oh, okay, <laughs> space westerns. Mm-hmm. Set in a, a town long ago and far away in one of those kind of deals, and mm-hmm. it's a again a reluctant sheriff, same sort of idea, and filled with tons and tons of in jokes. George Takei's in it as the local drunken uh, town doctor. Oh, <laughs> yeah, uh, it does a lot of that. <laughs> Julie Newmar runs the bar, and she is yeah. Miss Kitty. <laughs> so it's a double in joke about Gunsmoke, where that was the owner of the bar, and she acts like Catwoman. Mm-hmm. And lots of fun stuff. Really, really cool things. Made in this full moon, so, you know, shot in Yugoslavia over like three years. I think Peter's in one of them in one scene. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So oh. anyway, long before, and when uh, Cowboys and Aliens came out, they tried to re-solicit those. as like, look, it came first. Oh. <laughs> Throw it on the new DVD box. Cowboys and Aliens. Anyway. <laughs> I, but I digress. <laughs> so just so you know that, I mean, add in a lot of shit. The word shit for this description, but this is like the actual description for the book oh, good. image. So it says, welcome to Copperhead, a grimy mining town on the edge of a backwater planet. See? A shithole. And then it's like, single mom Clara Bronson is the new sheriff, and on her first day she'll have to contend with a resentful deputy, a shady mining tycoon, and a family of alien hillbillies. And <laughs> we mentioned the massacre... Uh, and then writer Jay Farber and the art team of Scott Godlowski and Ron Riley bring you this gritty 24th century Western. Yes, yeah. yeah, get that spittoon. I like how when you got to the names, the accent went away because you couldn't oh. pronounce. <laughs> Shh, Robbie, sh- don't ruin it. So that Pension was of disbelief. Um, it was honestly really good, and I'm going to check out the next issue because it was rad, and she kicks butt and. Alien hillbillies. Nice. <laughs> Yuck. <laughs> yeah. So. All right. What else you got for us, Stephanie? Not a book about hillbillies. Okay. Aww. This one is uh, from Boom Studios. This is Hexed number one. Um, again, they're coming out with some really kind of creepy stuff. And, um, oh, I just realized that the cover of this book is signed. Who signed this? <laughs> the <laughs> artist, I would think. Huh. Didn't Emma Rios do the covers for Hexed? Yeah. She did. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. I bought this at uh, Baltimore. Oh, I bet you it was Dan Mora. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. 
or maybe the writer. <laughs> All right, so Dan sort Mora's of. on art for this, and Michael Allen Nelson is um, oh no, it's Michael Allen Nelson because there's definitely an M at the front of this word. <laughs> so, anyways, mystery solved. Um, these are the people that write this book. Uh, Emma Rios does do the cover for it, and so this book is. I'm going to try to explain this without using so many um, cr- cuss words. Um, so this, the first issue of this is called the empty garden and it's about Lucifer. So Lucifer is, um, helping steal paintings and these paintings, you kind of think that she's just an art thief. Oh yeah. Lucifer's a chick in this kind of like the wicked and the divine, but a brunette and not as smoky. Is she actually Lucifer? Like the devil? I think so. Okay. Um, it's not really 100% clear on that. Um, but, like, she does have... Um, she does have powers. Okay. And she is an heir to, I think, um, uh, some kind of tomfoolery. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so uh, what she's doing, like you know, for most of the book is she's stealing paintings and messing with other professional art dealers, stealers, not dealers. <laughs> Although, you know, I assume eventually. Um, and she's just, you know, making cool shit happen. Like giant dragons made out of flames. <laughs> she's like, Oh, you guys want to mess with me? You guys have guns. Take this giant flame dragon. <laughs> Except she's much more cool about it. Like, <laughs> I she can't carves, picture that. She carves her hex into an apple and then like holds up the apple. And it's just like, yeah. And then I'm going to take a bite out of this. <laughs> Very badass. Um, she, she doesn't say it like a six-year-old pretending to be a wizard? <laughs> exactly. Okay. <laughs> um, so, you know, my horrible descriptions of everything aside, this book is really rad. The art is so cool and... I really fell in love with the character of Lucifer. Um, really, that's kind of the whole appeal of the book to me. Um, I watched this god-awful show um, to review at the beginning of the year called The Witches of East End. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, oh, fuck, it was terrible. Um, but anyways, in one of them, I saw this really cool thing where um, one of the witches uses this spell to put um, a character into a painting. And it's a way to, you know, like, really fuck with the person you hate because you're putting this person in this painting for like eternity they're not going to age and like to somebody watching the painting nothing's going to happen but this person is like forever trapped in this painting and there's nothing they can do about it um and in the book uh she this kind of is a thing that's happening in the book um the paintings there's more going on um and what you kind of find out as like the book progresses is that she's not an art thief so much as um she steals art that has magical properties um so she's working with an art dealer see art dealers Mm. (laughs) um to kind of you know acquire these pieces um to save you know the world in a way she's trying to prevent people that will use these paintings in a bad way um so they're stealing them from you know, fancy art museums and such um, to protect the world and shenanigans. Um, But nothing is ever as simple as that. And, you know, 
right off the bat, things go wrong and um, it just takes off. But it's like really cool. There's this villain that's kind of a bit like Ghost to me, but mm. much more treacherous. Like she's scary. She's really scary. Like <laughs> and murderous. <laughs> um, and I just like I can't say enough good things about the art. The art really just draws your eye, and every panel is different. Like um, there is a scene with them, or a bunch of scenes with them in this painting, and the art style just changes so drastically in the colors. And everything around it. And it's really great to watch. Like, there's just, you, without even knowing what's going on, you can tell that they're somewhere else, like a different dimension or whatever, just because of how drastically the art changes. And I think it's really great that without any of the story to go along with it, you can still tell a little bit of the story and what's happening. And to me, that's the mark of a really great artist. Um, you know, obviously, you do need the words to get the full grasp of what's going on but it's just a really neat story and it leaves on such a massive cliffhanger and i'm just like why would you do this to me <laughs> i hadn't heard of this book until i went to baltimore and um a friend of mine chrissy she works for boom studios and she was taking me around the table and she was like let me show you some of our wares <laughs> and um she introduced me to this book and was like have you read hexed yet and i was like no she's like here, read it. Um, she actually also told me about Sirens as well, Bob. Uh-huh. And I almost read it before the show, but I didn't get around to it. Um, lots of words. Be careful. There's a lot of words in Sirens. <laughs> and lots of sexy ladies. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, this book is honestly just really, really great. Um, I love it. I can't wait for the second issue. I don't, I think it's ongoing. Yeah, Hexed Ongoing number one came out. Um, in August. So I really enjoyed this. I think Boom is starting to do some really interesting things. They're doing, you know, a massive turnaround in which, you know, they went from a lot of kids stuff and um, the Archaea, you know, trades and they're putting out these incredible, you know, single issues. And I'm pretty impressed. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. It's funny because Hex, I was just looking it up. Um, this volume that's going out right now is the second volume of the book. There's four issues that came out in like 2008, 2009. That same writer and Emma Rios was the interior artist. What? Ooh, <laughs> oh boy! Call your friend. Oh my god! <laughs> to the internet. So there's more. There is. Now I'm so curious. More curious. And really, I know I've rambled on both Copperhead and Hexed, but they're both so well done and really really worth your time awesome if you're into horror about paintings <laughs> throw some crap around here the pilot film for rod serling's night gallery which is um what are you laughing because the, the only person i know uh, speaking of horror movies <laughs> about about paintings <laughs> anyway it was the follow-up to twilight zone a series that ran for a couple of years it, he didn't write all of them or, as, or even as many as he did with zone but the pilot one of the is three stories one of which was directed by steven spielberg it was one of the first things he did with joan crawford the last one's about richard kiley who's an escaped concentration camp commandant who's now hiding out in south america and he's always on the run and he goes into this art gallery and on the wall is this idyllic painting of a guy in a boat on a lake fishing <laughs> and he goes to try to escape from his own memories and what he knows is the the, the, the 
the Israelis are going to come after him and kill him in the street and the rest of it. And he finds himself drifting into the painting. And so he, you see him a couple of times. You see he's, he's now in a bar and people are after him and he knocks some guy out. And then again and again, he goes back to the museum. And I'm not going to spoil this, but there comes a night where they are after him and he goes into the museum and he is begging hmm. to be let into the painting. And I'll just leave it that way. It was Universal, so it's probably on Hulu, hmm. somewhere to be seen. But all three night galleries are, are really good. The second one with, with Joan Crawford is about, it's Tom Bosley from Happy Days who is, Joan Crawford is a very rich blind lady who wants to see, and he sells his eyes to her. Ugh. Naturally. Cool. Really? Oh, creepy. That's Night Gallery. And Rod, Roddy McDowell's in the first one. Nice. Something that always freaks me out in horror movies is whenever there's a painting of something and they walk past it and it's fine, and then later in the movie they walk past it or wherever and something's changed in it. Mm. Oh, that's the first story in that one with Roddy McDowell. That, <laughs> like so it's something that was there is now missing mm -hmm. and it's you know, out yeah. of the painting. That always messes with me. Nope, 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 nope. Does Harry, does Harry Potter really scare you? No, no. That's that's a good point, though. But no, um, I can't think of any specific examples. But you yeah, know what I mean. No, I know totally you mean. Um, you can always read, read the the OG picture of Dorian Gray. If you I really was just about to get yeah. to the Oscar Wilde Oscar Wilde business. All right, so let's uh, let's move on. Uh, I'm not gonna do movies anymore. Okay, here right, we let's go. Let's talk about Night Gallery more. Okay. <laughs> let's talk about books of the week. Yeah, you can talk about that. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna like, jump on with you, but. Sure. Yeah. We are going to start with Edge, one of the longest titles ever that I've done. <laughs> Edge of Spider-Verse, Gwen Stacy, Spider-Woman, number two. <laughs> now, I'm going to start by saying I have no idea about the underpinnings of this event. I did not read the first one, which is the guy with the goggles. Spider-Man uh, Noir. Okay. Yeah. So I don't really read Spider-Man much anymore, though I do pull, th you know, pull through him in the store. Mm -hmm. But as a big fan of you know, alternate realities, certainly the Mae Parker Spider-Girl and Gwen, I figured, what the heck? How bad can this be? And boy, did this pay off. It's a great twist on Spider-Man's mythology. And Jason Latour, what did he do before? Uh, he did the second half of um, the uh, Winter Soldier Oh, run, right. yeah, yes. which is excellent. Mm -hmm. He's also he's doing Wolverine the X Men right now, right? He is. Yeah. Okay. But he's on my watch list because mm. this is just so beautifully done. You get all the backstory you need in the first four pages, as if this is you know previously in Spider Woman, and you get to meet Peter and Captain Stacy and the usual crew, and you discover what the tragedy in Gwen's life is that makes her realize with great power must come great responsibility. Mm -hmm. Later on, there's some neat changes on some familiar characters aren't acting quite the way you anticipate. This was perfect. This is exactly what I wanted this to be, and that doesn't happen much anymore. I'm pretty crabby about things like this, <laughs> and the art was, was perfectly in, in sync with the story. It's light, but yet dramatic when it needs to be. The character design, the costume design's perfect. You get to see sort of this alternate universe version of Josie and the Pussycats, the Mary Janes, which is Love just a whole lot of fun. Action sequences, well done. For everyone I've touted the old Spider-Girl to, I hope this finds that spot, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that they will create the alternate universe the way they did then. That was, that was What If 105, and mm -hmm. people wanted so much they kept going. I know they're saying that Gwen will be back in Spider-Man 9 or something. Mm. Here's, here's a place where you could do... Marvel does change things up, but a lighter-toned alternate universe Spider-Girl, still with consequence and everything else, and dramatics, and just, this was perfect. What do, what do you guys, what do you all think on this one? I mean, it was, 
fantastic. Robbie Rodriguez, who does the art for it, yes. um, is uh, the artist on Collider, I believe. FPP. FPP, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, gorgeous, gorgeous stuff. I loved the, I loved this depiction of Gwen. I thought that it was interesting. I loved they, I loved they keep certain elements like the, you know, Captain Stacy being a very opposed to, to, to the Spider-Man mm-hmm. character is still here in this story. Um, Gwen's relationship to Peter in this is, is is not what I expected, and as the story unfolds, you you even though she's established, you get to see what seems like a formative story mm-hmm. for the character becoming who she's going to become. I thought that the costume was very interesting and different. One of my favorite things about about all of this stuff that's been happening, and I'll talk a little bit more, and I kind of talk about book of the week stuff, um, is. And I think Dan Slott said it on Twitter as well that the Spider Verse stuff is allowing artists and writers and creators to just use their imagination to create these characters in this in this very well worn you know universe. And I love that about this. I love that we get to see a different depiction of New York and a different depiction of her powers. And you know, I, I love the the change up of of kind of roles of characters. Some people were very much good guys in our universe, are very mm-hmm. much bad guys in in, in this universe. Uh, Matt Murdock is not a very nice guy in no. in, in this issue. Jonah's still Jonah, though, which he is, is good. Yeah, he absolutely is. So I I really really loved it. I I, I was interested in. It. I thought cool. Gwen Stacy Spider Room. That sounds that sounds great to me. And I had pretty good expectations for it but it blew those expectations away I, I didn't expect to love it the way that i loved it i'm personally like i really like the book and i think you guys have covered everything that i really enjoyed about it but i'm personally really disappointed because i thought a new edge of spider verse led up to uh, you know a big event um but I thought that it was its own book. I thought that they created the Edge of Spider-Verse so that you could read one through whatever of Edge of Spider-Verse. And I get to like the back of, you know, Edge of Spider-Verse number one. And it's like, here's your checklist. And I'm like, fuck you, I'm done. (laughs) And like, I only picked up number two because I wanted to read Spider-Gwen. But like, I'm done. I'm not reading those other books. Well, that's and fine, but that's you not knowing what the event was before you went in to read it. Yeah, but like it's <laughs> it's just dumb. Stop doing these events that alienate your freaking readership. Well, the only reason, but the only reason the Gwen Stacy book exists is because of this event. Yeah, but then leave it as Edge of Spider-Verse. But like don't do it in 12 different books. Well, I mean, you can just read the each of these Edge of Spider Verse books are kind of one offs, except for the little tie ins at the end to the kind of bigger event. But it's all leading into the the Spider Man Spider Verse uh, event. You know, that's what it's all about. And again, I I mean, I get what you're saying, and I I totally understand like not wanting to read a checklist of, of books. Um, and I can totally understand it when it's like an ongoing series that you're currently reading. Um, but Gwen Stacy's book wouldn't exist if it wasn't for this whole big event that was happening. Yeah. And you can skip ahead to Spider-Man 9, the way I'm going to. Yeah, yeah, and read the Spider-Verse event <laughs> if you want to, get more of her. But, I mean, to say, like, oh, I'm glad this book exists, and then be angry at why it exists seems a little bit contradictory to me. No, I don't think so. I think it's dumb that you just, like, if why can't you just have it be its own thing and then collect it eventually, like, in one trade paperback? I don't understand why it has to span across, you know, all kinds of other books. 
because it's a it's Spider-Man a, it, event. It's an event. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is comics. This stuff happens all the time. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not saying well, that calm it's... Calm down to me, Steve, by the way. I know what an event is and I know how it works. I'm just uh, not Steph, for for the it. record, I wasn't talking down to you whatsoever. All right. No fighting. No fighting. All right. We're just disagreeing. All right. Let's disagree respectfully. Okay. Yes. Um, I, 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 and I get what you're saying, not wanting to read all of these books, but I think being angry at the book for that uh, I, I don't, I don't, I personally don't I think that it's awesome. It. Like, I like the Edge of Spider, like, I like the Gwen issue. I just, I won't read any of this other stuff. Which, which... is totally fine, which, I mean, I don't think Bob is playing nope. to really either. Uh, but for a self-contained one-off issue, I think it's, it's yeah. written excellently. Yeah, because I came to it knowing nothing. Right. And I still enjoyed the heck out of it. Yeah. Yeah, same. I'm just saying that, like, it intrigued me enough to want to read more until I found out that it went across different books and mm. then I didn't want anything to do with it. I mean, what, what I would say is I think that when you get to the actual Spider-Verse thing and usually what Dan Slott is really good about, uh, good about in his Spider-Man kind of event stuff is that it will just be amazing Spider-Man when we get to the actual Spider-Verse event of it all. You know, all the main stuff will be there and you can read it there. Um, Steve, what do you think of Spider-Girl? Spider-Woman. Honestly, um... I, I did wind up enjoying it. I kind of had to warm up to it a little bit. Uh, I felt like some of the stuff in the beginning, the way it started off, uh, some of the dialogue I felt was a little bit forced, that it was trying to be cool in a sense. The the way the they use a lot of like lingo and kind of, I don't, I call it internet speak. I don't know what else to really like, stuff like words like dem shorts and stuff like that. Um, like I, I got it. I have a, I freaking got it. Pick it up. Um, yeah, Flash Thompson, Dem Shorty Shorts. It just, it rubbed me the wrong way in the beginning to read that kind of dialogue, but I liked the character and I liked the differences in Gwen's universe and the way that they, you know, were parallel, run parallel to the others. Those aspects of it I really enjoyed. And I'm, I love uh, Robbie Rodriguez's art from FPP. I've been looking at his stuff for like 13 issues on that book. And it's just spectacular. And he's the perfect, perfect artist. He's got, there's so much attitude in his art that the attitude of his art kind of syncs up precisely with like the, the kooky zaniness of Gwen's Spider-Gwen character. Mm-hmm. Um, so for those reasons, I really appreciated it. And I'm enjoying the Spider-Verse things. I did not pick up the noir stuff just because I'm picking up enough Spider-Man stuff already. But um, I knew that this was something to get. And uh, yeah, it was cool. I, I wasn't bowled over by it, but I definitely enjoy it for what it is. And I'm looking forward to seeing more of her specifically in, you know, the event that's to come. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, sorry. I should also point out the colors. It's Rico yeah, Renzi are just spectacular. Clayton Cole's letters really help the story. The sound effects are done so amazingly within the art itself. I assume that's Mr. Cole's, but could be in the artwork. Right. Yeah. Also, whoever did them. Just really, really completes the package. Mm-hmm, absolutely, and uh, just so I can, I'm really, basically I'll wrap up in one of my books of the week to this. Since we're on this, I don't sure. want to stop yeah. and stop and restart. Uh, I have been, I've been catching up um, on some of the Spider Verse stuff. I read this, and actually, I was like, okay, I'm gonna go. I had Noir, and I had uh, Superior Spider Man, uh, which just came out this week as well. And so the Gwen stuff kind of um, gave me the motivation to check it out. And so I went back and I read the Spider-Man noir, uh, edge of spider verse. And that was really cool. I think the only, my only, my only exposure to him is from the video games that he's been in. He was in that shadow dimensions game. And I, I think the idea of kind of a 1930s, 
Spider-Man who has some of the power set of, of Spider-Man. Like he, you know, he can stick to walls, he can shoot webs, but he's not super strong. He doesn't, he doesn't have all of the stuff that Spider-Man is. He's a little bit, he's a little bit weaker. Uh, was really cool, and the way they cast Mysterio as kind of this insane magician. Wow. Yeah, I, I thought was very, very interesting, and the way they do all their characters in this is, is pretty cool, and just the story of him kind of you know, calling out Spider-Man and, and causing conversation between the two of them and how kind of Spider-Man escapes this trap and, and all of this stuff I thought was, was really, really neat. The art uh, is really great in it as well. It's uh, Richard Eisenhoff is the artist and David Hine with Fabrice Sapolsky are, are the writers. Uh, really cool. You know, I never read anything Spider-Man Noir and I... I wasn't uh, I wasn't like really excited about it, but after reading it, I, I thought it was really cool. And I, I'm guessing that most of these Edge of Spider Verse characters are going to be kind of the major players in mm-hmm. Spider Verse. I'm going to guess as far as the Spider Man who takes center stage. And if that's the case, then I think both these books have uh, gone on a really good foot with that. Uh, I loved the end too of this of the I, I loved the the Spider Man that shows up at the end of the Gwen issue, like what that implies mm-hmm. with who he is and how that links up with everything. Um, and then. In Superior Spider-Man number 33, which I guess is now actually the last Superior Spider-Man issue, um, which they said, Christos Gage and Giuseppe Comancoli on art. This introduces to a bunch of Spider-Man. Spider-Man India, Spider-Man (laughs) Six-Arm Spider-Man, Spider-Man Noir shows up here as well. The Superior Spider-Man, a a spider, a spider girl. This is Ashley, Ashley Barton of Earth 807128. Um, <laughs> spider and Spider Monkey. Oh, and Assassin Spider-Man is, is the other one that shows up. Spider Monkey. So there, you know, th- there is this kind of creature hunting the Spider-Man across the multiverse and uh, Otto feels, thinks he's found a way to stop the, the, the creature. So mm-hmm. he has like this big, huge plan. Gets down to it, of course, the plan doesn't really work out. Uh, and you get these Spider-Man working together and it's a cool use of all of their powers, but you also get some neat auto stuff where he's kind of planning with some of the other less than savory Spider-Man um, about what they're going to have to do to actually stop this guy. And I thought that was really good. It's, 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 it's so funny because the whole, I feel like for the mo- a lot of the time we're reading superior, like this is great, but I, I want to have Peter back, but reading this, it's really nice to be reading the auto Spider-Man. Wow. It's, it's a, it's a, he's a really great character and something that I think is cool. They're going to keep around at least for a little while. And then what's really great is the, uh, the end of the book is kind of this backup that tells the story of this creep, this guy who's hunting all of them and why he does it and, and how it all came to be. Uh, and that was really, really great as well. I thought that the whole issue really, really worked and this whole Spider-Verse thing, which I had been a little bit cool on up until reading the Gwen issue. I'm getting really, really pumped up to read so i think that dan slot always does a really great job with these kind of spider events and so i'm excited to see what he brings to this hmm. one now i would wonder they're losing some of the spider titles because of superior changing hands yeah. a quarterly spider verse book you know a, a giant size six dollar book that would have a couple of shorter stories within featuring the characters that seem to make an impact with folks that would be really cool i mean I don't, mm. marvel doesn't seem to really do that kind of thing but yeah, but there the was vertical ones we had. Sure, yeah, the, the vertical like quarterly are fantastic. Yeah, so yeah. that could be interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's. I think what you're getting a rich amount of characters and characters that could become if they become favorites, right? Mm-hmm. Become part of the the Marvel U itself. Because yeah. there's going to say they can't just one of them can't just stay when they right. all end up returning to the universe. Is one gets stuck here, whatever happens, um, we'll have to see. Yeah. 
Uh, but Bob, I would. Well, no, why don't you, yeah. since we're doing multiversity things, oh, why true. don't you do <laughs> that and we'll come back to me. Okay. So, um, the Multiversity Society of Superheroes. Uh, this is the second in the Multiversity uh, miniseries by Grant Morrison. This one has Chris Sprouse on the art, and we are traveling uh, to the, the world of Doc Fate. Um, I think this is Earth 20? Earth yes. 20. Earth 20. Um, the whole title, you talk about long titles. <laughs> the Multiversity Society of Superheroes Conquerors from the Counterworld. I think that's the winner. Is the full title. Well, we had, um, I think it was Logan who reviewed it for us. He was like, I don't know how to SEO this title. He's like, the real t- full title just alone, it, it, it's too long. It's, I had yeah. to like go in and, and, fi- and mess around with it to make it fit. Um, but so the f- it's, it's really interesting because right? the first issue of Multiversity, we had. Tons of different Earths, crazy amount of characters, everybody around, what's going on, craziness, craziness. And then here, I feel like we really, we settle down, right? It's one world, crazy stuff is happening, and you have to acclimate to these people, but it's, it, and it definitely has something to do with the larger story that we're obviously hearing about, but it, it doesn't do this sprawling, crazy thing. It does this thing where it brings it down, and we have a set of characters, and it's a lot of compressed storytelling, because we go through a, a bunch of time mm-hmm. in, in this issue, but we don't but but we don't deal with some of the big ideas that we're dealing with in in the other tale which i think is great because i think that if you just had a constant stream of that stuff it might get when everything's at 11 11 also becomes not 11 anymore here we get to exercise kind of this um you know, pulpy Indiana Jonesy group of heroes. I mean, Doc Fate is the leader. We have uh, Abensor, Green Lantern. We have Lady Blackhawk. Um, I don't remember the other. Was the Immortal Man? The Immortal Man, and then the what's the Adam like guy? The guy who Al Pratt. That's Al the Pratt. Golden Age Adam. Golden Age Adam. So uh, as as a team here, and what I what I there's some links here. Uh, you know, Pratt is reading uh, Ultra Comics that we obviously see mm-hmm. in, in the first issue, and. What I think was cool about the narrative is that it sets it up, and I'm thinking it's going to be one story where we're going to see this group going on an adventure, and it quickly cuts to we're at the end of the world, basically. Yeah, and Earth 40. Yeah, yeah. Earth 40. Um, yeah, Vandal Savage has, has shown up, and he's the conqueror from the counter world and going to take over the world. And we, we kind of have Doc Fate and his group, their backs against the wall in this kind of last stronghold and fighting for their lives. Uh, I think the art by Chris Sprouse is, is absolutely gorgeous. Uh, I loved uh, Doc Fate in, in the mm-hmm. story a lot. I loved that, that moment, the, that very Indiana Jones moment near the end where he's facing off against um, Felix Faust it, is, it made me laugh out loud. Yeah. It made me literally laugh out loud. Uh, I thought Lady Shiva was great. Parallax was great. I really loved it, in, but in a totally different way. Then I love the multiversity. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bob, what do you think of it? Well, he's not only the traditional Kent Nelson Doctor Fate, he's also Doc Savage. Mm-hmm, right. And he has a tower the way Doc did in the Empire State Building. So we get that sort of pulpy thing, just what you're talking about. Lots of linkages, too, beyond the Immortal Man was created in the 70s, but it actually is created in the same meteor event as Vandal Savage, the okay. way they put it. But then they name him Anthro, which was one of the late DC caveman characters. <laughs> so as usual, it's everything mushed together mm. but we still touch on what Nuon from the yes. first issue yeah. so it's all gonna tie in at the obvious level mm. the secondary ones the tertiary ones next issue backwards forwards what which one what's next issue now next issue is the uh 
Teen Idol Earth. Yes, it's Teen where it's Idol like Earth, the yeah. Teen Beat cover for yeah. next issue. Earth Me. Yeah, Earth Me. It's all like the kids uh, of the superheroes and yeah. stuff, where they're all kind of prima donnas and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, and they're all acting at Arrowette, shocking, looking like uh, uh, Britney Spears with her haircut or Miley Cyrus <laughs> yeah. or whatever. Yeah. I'm not Daddy's little girl anymore. It's like uh, an artist called Robin. That's yeah. what she looks like. Really? Yeah. Like that, yeah. Oh, okay. But so to me, the idea that there was a breath from that first one really mm-hmm. made a difference. Mm-hmm. How many are we on this? Is this eight? eight? I believe. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, one and eight are the bookends of the multiversity right. books, and everything in the middle is a different world. Uh, and the end, like the the kind of almost like Lovecraftian ending, I think yeah. is, is is very cool. Steve, did you get a chance to read this? Yeah, I did. What do you think? It's wild. It's <laughs> yeah. wild stuff. Uh, I'm kind of still settling into the voice of Grant Morrison. I mean, I read the Batman Inc. stuff, but that's probably, if I can think, he did he write um, We Three? Yes, he wrote We Three. Okay, so yeah. I read that. Yeah, that was R.I.P. Uh, as well. Batman, okay, R.I.P. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I'm still settling into the way that he. I mean, you mentioned something about how the other the other book was turned to eleven, and then mm. this kind of dials it down. I feel like it stayed at eleven <laughs> with this. Um, his style of writing and the the stories that he sets up, there's so much crammed into the one issue that it's it's like a I feel like a comic book assault <laughs> um, for somebody who's not wholly familiar with the characters. Mm-hmm. This is my first exposure to you know at almost everybody in this book, <laughs> um, which is not a deterrent because that's the part of it that I'm really really enjoying. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I, I like the, I, it takes turns, the whole multiversity thing from the first issue and now this issue and presumably the third and beyond, um, I never know what to expect. And that's precisely what's going to keep me picking it up mm-hmm. and reading it. Um, it's definitely one of the most exciting things that I've, I've read out of DC in a long time. Cool. Yeah, awesome. I really, yeah. I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, I love the Immortal Man too. I thought that he did a great job in a very short amount of time giving you kind of the the weight that's on his shoulders. Right. Uh, and he has kind of this very uh, I'm a wry smile. I'm a, um, I'm a cool badass kind of personality, but really he's dealing with a lot. He has all this weight of all these eons on his shoulders. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was, a, to get that that quickly, I, I thought was great. Mm-hmm. And I thought the action stuff was, was really fantastic. Yeah. So the lady Blackhawks are badass. The fight with Thos was great. The fight between, you know, he's um, the only guy Van- I knew. Yeah. Vandal Savage. Yeah. And, um, and the Immortal Man was great as well. Like the Chris Sprouse art is, it's gorgeous. Yeah. I'm not very familiar with his stuff, but mm. when we get into the jungly, questy, horror-y mm. things, very much uh, Francesco Francavilla. Mm. Right. Where I got that sort of, wow, all heck is breaking loose here, and yeah. this is just nasty, and how do they get out of this sort of thing? Just so well done. I was initially a little disappointed to start with that this was not going to be the exploration of the worlds I knew. Mm-hmm. I am now so happy it isn't, mm. and that it's nice. now somewhere all fresh. Yeah, you get to I be still, surprised when you're right. reading it. Yeah, I still miss all those other Earths, mm-hmm. and I'm sure they're going to show up. Yeah, somewhere by the end of this, we're going to see Captain Carrot again, and. <laughs> The Earth 3 of the real Injustice Society and so on and so on right. and so forth. I can't believe but, how many characters he's packed into mm-hmm. just these two issues. Yeah. You know, like as far as giving you a crash course in, you know, otherworldly DC characters, this is it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, Bob. So close us out with some Wonder Woman. Okay. It is Sensation Comics number two. Uh, two stories. First one's Ivan Cohen and Marcus Toe. Second one, Jason Bischoff, David Williams. And we have a Gene Ha cover as opposed to an Adam Hughes cover signed, ha. <laughs> but that's, anyway. 
for the second time, this is just a great, great Wonder Woman story that illustrates the, the core strengths of her characters and all her best attributes. And this time it's centered on self-esteem and believing in oneself. And that's essential to this. And it, 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 it's a critical skill we all need to have at some point. We all lack in those sort of moments. And here, Diana is appearing on a news chat show. And eventually the sort of oily host mentions, oh, well, you're here to proselytize for your gods. Well, no, it's paying attention to the words, not the religion that they come from. And she has to address to him her belief in her patron's role, because after all, I did have to write this down to remember the, the correct order. Beautiful as Aphrodite, wise as Athena, strong as Hercules, and as swift as Hermes. Mm-hmm. That's a lot to mm-hmm. carry around. As her day goes on, her powers are sort of on the fritz, which is not what she's used to having happen. But as she points out in a lovely panel that, well, she's an Amazon. Amazons don't ask for help. They give it. But again, it, it's important that that sort of stuff is here, mm-hmm. and it is a. Despite her lack of powers, when Barbara Minerva the Cheater shows up, it is is a tough battle, but she will continue to fight because she is, after all, Wonder Woman. So this book touched me again. There's two issues in a row where this this gets to me because it's a character that's very important to me, and. You hear so much before, you know, when we talked about the movies coming out and how many people can't write Wonder Woman, how do you write a symbol? And it can't be done. Yeah, you can. You can. If if you come at it with the idea that it is that it does have weight, that after all these years, what this character means to people, even if they're taking it from having watched the television show or just what they think Wonder Woman's about, it's those core values that make it so. And that is here. And this is two issues in a row this way. The backup story, backup is, story is, awesome. is every bit as charming. It's sort of the origin of Wonder Woman's bracelets and what it all means, what the sacrifice is. It's charming and fun and playful. You see the little girl, Diana, just starting out and sort of teasing her mom. She has to, she has to best her in battle to get her second bracelet. Mm-hmm. And it passes through that and you get to a just wonderful finale. I know this is, this is digital first. And I, I'm sure it's nice that way too, but having this book in your hands to just touch and hold and look at and seeing the, the art here is absolutely gorgeous. Looking at a very respectful presentation of this character, but it's still modern and still action-packed and touching and emotional and, and the, the expressions are just well done. I'm thrilled. I'm glad this is on the stands for those. Oh, I'm going to sound really prejudicial and, and judgmental and all those things that I swear I'm not going to be, but am every week. <laughs> For those people who want to read the real Wonder Woman, forget what's coming in number 36 and just start either reading this digitally or buy Sensation Comics number two. This deserves to be a huge, huge seller. Yeah. Um, I've been, I, I read this, you know, based on your recommendation, I wanted to read the Gal Simone issue. And then I was hesitant to pick this up because I didn't know if once Gal left, if the quality of it mm-hmm. was going to continue. And it turns out that, Everything that we talk about with Wonder Woman, who who she is and and what she stands for and and who she could be, that this series or these books, these stories are exactly that. Uh, I couldn't decide which one I liked more, the main story or the backup. I, uh, you know, everything, all the conversations we've had at Reese's and and even the conversations on this show and what we talked about with Trina and uh, and everybody, just it's all 
it's all in this book and it's nice to know that you know she can be written and and it's it's not just something that we can talk about anymore that it's it's happening once again yeah. and it's happening in these books so awesome. yeah i really really enjoyed it a lot i was i was hoping that you were going to pick this as your yeah. book of the week because i wanted to talk about it all right awesome so that's sensation comics featuring one woman number two um we also talked about um well i talked about the multiversity uh number so confusing the number, uh, <laughs> the, the second but number one yeah second but number one <laughs> and obviously um edge of spider-verse gwen stacy spider-woman number two um we're gonna take a little break we're gonna come back and we're gonna talk about gotham We are back here on Talking Comics, and we are joined by our television show recap specialist, Courtney Key. Courtney, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, you're very welcome, Bobby. Uh, that's the first time I've been described as that. I'm going to put that on my resume now. Okay, you should. <laughs> you absolutely should. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Gotham, which is premiered on Monday night uh, on Fox. Uh, the recap is up. Courtney wrote it's up right now on TalkingComicBooks.com, so check that out. Um, if you want, if you've watched the episode, because it's full spoilers. Um, and so check that out. But we're going to talk a little bit about non-spoilery. I mean, obviously, look, if you want to know anything about the episode, you probably don't want to listen to this. But we're not going to talk about anything that can be considered major spoiler, which only really happens kind of near the end of, of, of the episode. Um, this is the pilot episode of Gotham. Um, it tells the story of young Bruce Wayne and a younger Commissioner Gordon uh, and kind of their trials and tribulations ar- around Gotham. Uh, it also poses the idea that it's going to origin a lot of villains and a lot of characters in the Batman universe. Um, Bob, I want to go to you first. I want to ask you a question. First of all, what expectations did you go into watching it? And what did you think of the episode? My expectations were more arrowy. Okay. You know, dark, dark, quick cuts, all that sort of stuff. And I found it to be the exact opposite. That it was very much shot in a conventional way. Mm-hmm. Very good sort of police story. You know, just done well, very well acted. I mean, across the board. I don't think there was a terrible performance. And I'm not a Jada Pinkett Smith fan, particularly. Not <laughs> seen her in much that I really cared about. She's really effective here. And a really interesting role, too. I think I'd watch again. I don't know for how long, considering I fell asleep five minutes from the end. (laughs) Um, So I'm going to have to read Courtney's recap. I did get the recap from Bobby. I was trying to watch three things at once. I was watching Derek Jeter and watching the Jets lose to uh, Jeff's Bears, Uh which went very badly 30 seconds in. And I was trying to go back and forth. And then I finally, I stayed with Gotham because I was really enjoying it. And then just drifted away. But... uh, (laughs) I love at some level that all these little characters are going to be there and it will be building, I'm mm-hmm. assuming. I'm a little distressed with everything connected, and we'll talk some more about that. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely a thing we will definitely talk about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, well, Courtney, you wrote the recap. Uh, what did you think uh, of Gotham? What were your expectations going in, and what did you think of the, of the pilot episode? 
Sure. Um, well, going in, um, you know, honestly, and, and I kind of emailed you at the last minute saying, yes, I'm going to uh, do uh, the, the recaps for Gotham um, because I was kind of undecided on whether or not I was even going to watch it. Um, it it's, um, you know, I, I'm... People who know me from the forums might know I'm, I'm not a big DC reader. I'm, I'm getting more into uh, the DC world. Um, so, you know, I obviously know the Batman story. I know it from the movies. Um, but I have a huge amount of knowledge of these characters beyond kind of, I, I guess, what a lot of people, um, you know, mass audience coming into the show would necessarily know. Um, but I'd seen some of the previews, and it was coming on right before Sleepy Hollow, which I love and watch anyway. So I thought, <laughs> You know, I'm going to watch Gotham. Um, and I actually, I really enjoyed it. Um, you know, it for me, it had a lot of problems that, frankly, a lot of pilots have, um, which is the fact that pilots are tasked with, you know, introducing you to the story. You get a lot of exposition um, at the expense of, you know, pure storytelling, um, sometimes in, in pilots. So, uh, you know, I, I think it can be hard to judge a show um, frankly, on the first episode, uh, but I, you know, I liked it. I mean, it, it's uh, it's definitely it's funny. I watched it after Sleepy Hollow <laughs> on my TVR. It's definitely a different tone. Um, it's got that you know grim, dark uh, Gotham City Batman tone. It's not going to be a laugh a minute show, but uh, yeah, I, I I enjoyed it. I thought it had a good tone. It definitely is very well cast. Um, and as I said, the, the recap, I think that the biggest strength for me in this first episode were uh, the, the performances. And I, I think it's, it's got some, a, a really strong cast. Awesome. Awesome. I mean, for me, it was when we first heard the announcement, right? They kind of pitched it in that first announcement as kind of like, James Gordon like Gotham detective files mm -hmm. and then as we got closer and as we saw the first reveal we Bruce Wayne's be a bigger part of it the villains are going to be a, a big part of it and honestly when I started hearing more of that you would think it would have gotten me more excited for the show but it actually made me less excited for the show um, and so I went into it with low expectations let's just say that. I, I was like I'll watch it I'll see what, what I think but I'm not sold that I'm going to watch another episode and after the episode was over, I can definitely say that I'm going to watch another episode of the show. Uh, I, I had things I really liked about it and things that I, I didn't like about it. And a lot of that stuff, we'll get into more deeper mm -hmm. stuff about the connection stuff, which was a lot of it. You know, I, I began about halfway through it. I kind of had to sit back and I said, I said to myself, look, this is not, this is not the, this is not comic book Batman. This is not the, 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 the continuity DC continuity version of Gotham city. This is some sort of other world. This is like what they, these guys decided to do with kind of the Batman mythos. And look, if there's any comic book character who you can do that with, it's Batman. He's, he's gotten his just due a lot. Yeah. So it's not like you're like, Oh, I've never seen a true Batman story. You know, we've gotten a lot of good Batman <laughs> stuff before. <laughs> so I, I was like, okay, just go with it. It's, it's just some, it's like an Elseworlds story. Um, because I, I, because my brain was going with like all like the, does this really make sense? Like the ages, is it, you know, and I'm like, just yeah. stop, just stop, <laughs> just watch the show and enjoy it as a television show and see if, how you, you like it from there. And I felt like, I agree with you guys, what you guys said about the performances. I think pretty much the performances are all great. Um, I am, I'm not completely sold on Ben McKenzie. I, I think that half of the time he's incredibly engaging and half the time 
I, I was not getting anything out of him because uh, he was also, so broody, you know, in it. I'm not well, that's, convinced that's... that he can grow facial hair so that he can get like that mustache. <laughs> yeah. that, you know, he has like, I'm not, I feel like he's still like 13 at heart. At yeah, he does have that yeah. baby face look, um, but they have plenty of good uh, fake mustaches <laughs> they can put on him. <laughs> uh, not so, convincing ones. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought that the, I thought that the way it opened, when it opened the way it opened, I was, I was not happy. Let's just say that. Uh, and not because of any consistency, just because it's something we've seen 6,000 times. I was like, is this really the way that we're starting? But once we got past that, once we were actually into kind of the, honestly, what I expected to like most about it was the superhero stuff. What I ended up liking most about it was more of like the day-to-day cop stuff, Absolutely. which is not what I expected. You know, um, I did appreciate that the tone, the tone feels a little weird to me. It feels like they're going for a mix of like Christopher Nolan and Tim Burton at times. Mm-hmm. Some of the sets look very set like, and some of the sets look like, Hey, we're on the streets and we're, this is, this is real mm-hmm. life. So that tone was a little bit weird to me, but it also made me go like, okay, they're going for something at least. They're not just doing CSI, but with yeah, CSI Batman characters, Gotham, right? you know, yeah. <laughs> which I enjoyed about it. So overall, I'd say, I liked it. Um, I'm intrigued by some of the storylines that are happening, uh, but I'm not in love with it. Uh, that, that's kind of where I am as far as initial impressions go. Steve, what about you? I expected to not like it. I expected to not like it very much at all. Watched it today and wound up liking it quite a bit. Um, I really, really like the depiction of the GCPD. I really, the the corruption that's going on, I've seen that in the comics. I think they did a really good job of as far as translating that to television, especially something that's going to be, you know, episodic every week. They have, you know, shows like Arrow and mm-hmm. things like that to kind of the Flash to to back up this DC universe that they're bringing to television where DC's not doing, I mean, obviously they have their plans now, but where we haven't seen so much on the DC end as far as films go, we're getting plenty of television content from them. And... um the highlight of the show for me was the cast. Again, everybody's said it, but I'll just echo. I really, really, I have not seen Jada Pinkett Smith since uh, Tales from the Crypt Demon Knight. <laughs> All right. So I'm sitting there watching it with my friend Tom. He says, is that Jada Pinkett Smith? I said, no, no, that's not her, dude. I'm like, look at her yeah. features. That's totally not her. It's No, it's not. He looked it up. It's her. Mm-hmm. She looks amazing. <laughs> she looks amazing. She, um, ha- she, she, does a really fine job. I like um, his name, Donald Logue, the guy that Donald plays Logue, yeah, 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 yes. Um, again, I'm, I know that I'm including a person that you guys don't know and is not on this podcast, but I was watching it with a friend, and he was sitting behind me, and he's like, oh, what's with this guy? He's talking about Bullock. He's like, I don't like him. And I'm like, honestly, like, he's my favorite character on the show so far, because <laughs> that's, that's who he is. He's one mm-hmm. of my favorite characters from the stories. I just, I love Bullock. I loved him in the animated series. He's always, he's a hard ass. Yeah. You know, and I love... I love the level of corruption happening in the GCPD because we've we've read about that and we've read tales of that and stuff like that. Um, like you said, the age differences in the characters. I'm a little undecided on the Alfred stuff. I don't necessarily know where he's coming from. He's a little bit hard mm-hmm. for my taste, but I'm hoping that this is going to be one of those like character arc things where as he grows into the idea of Bruce Wayne eventually becoming Batman that he softens and kind of changes and becomes more fatherly. Just seemed like he was very stiff and uncaring about mm. the situation that had happened. Um, <coughs> excuse me. I really like the cinematography of it. I think it looks great. 
there was a particular shot at the end. We're not talking uh, about the end, but there was one in particular that I really kind of had to just sit back and really appreciate what it was mm. for people that have seen the show water. I'll mm. just say that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I like the idea that everything's connected for a change. Usually I don't like that. I'm interested to see a story where that does play a factor and especially something that I could see that's visual and that is not beholden to the comics because obviously this is trying to do something very different with characters that everybody knows and everybody loves and now you're taking that formula and you're changing it around a little bit. It's ballsy. It's really ballsy. Um, I'm so sorry. Excuse me. I have something in my throat. <laughs> Uh, you got choked up about yeah. about them being balls. <laughs> well, it's like it's. I mean, this is just this is just the thing. I the Selena Kyle character, mm-hmm. she is a a young woman who looks both older and younger all at the same time. But yeah, I know. It's, it's, as, as, you know, as she is, um, some of the cuts are a little strange. Some of the editing is a little strange. I'm a little confused about a chase scene that I saw uh, happening in the episode. But the fact of the matter is, is that. This is something that they're trying to do something new with it. It's dealing with characters that are, are, you know, very, very close to me, but I'm enjoying seeing them in this light. And for a pilot episode, pilots are usually a disaster. They cram way too much information. Everything comes at lightning speed because they got to cram it all in and get all the people who don't have all the background up to speed so that we can start our show. I thought it did a very admirable job of laying the groundwork of what the show is going to be like, giving you the tone of it and saying, you know, tune in next time. And we're going to, we're going to elaborate on this big connected mystery. And we're really going to get into the nitty gritty of what makes Gotham this terrible, terrible place. You know, we see, we read so many stories with Batman as Batman kicking ass. And a lot of the times dealing with major villains and major plots and stuff like that. But there's all this street-level stuff that's happening as well. Gotham is supposed to be one of the most dangerous cities in all of, like, comicdom. I feel like this show is going to give us the opportunity to see that street-level stuff behind the scenes. And the the genesis and the evolution of the villain characters, I think, is going to be very cool. The mm-hmm. Penguin, the Riddler, there might have even been another villain character that had a little cameo that we could maybe talk about in a little bit. Uh, I really, really ended up enjoying it. I did not expect to walk away from it. And I commented out loud at least three or four times to my, my roommate. I'm like, I am really enjoying this. <laughs> He's like, I am. T-. He didn't want to watch it at all. Right. And I said, I'm going to put it on the big TV in the living room if you want to check it out. Mm. And by the end, we were both like, yep. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Stephanie, what did you think? Uh, first of all, isn't this kind of similar to Brubaker and Rucka's run of Gotham Central? There is similarities to it. Absolutely. Um, there's definitely just characters in, in, in involved as well. I think the timing is is off, and a sort of what they're dealing with is a little different because Gotham Central was taking place while Batman was around. It just didn't have Batman in it as a main character. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like, what does the GCP have to do when Batman can't be there, or when mm-hmm. you, the the you know what what happens in the interim stuff? Mm-hmm. But yeah, it has similar things. I think we heard about that right when it first came out. Brubaker was saying it, they it's not based on their stuff, but it seems like it has yeah. um, elements. Absolutely. Um. So, first of all, like, I don't know, the music took me out a few times, um, like, kind of just general, like, nitpick things, because, like, apparently, the only thing that you can play in Gotham Central, if it's not brooding overtones of just, is, like, the dead weather. That's the <laughs> only thing you need to play yeah. Jack White. 
um, <laughs> nothing else. Because every time there was like a scene in Fish Mooney's Club, it was like uh, Allison Mossard and Jack White. <laughs> like I was like, oh boy, <laughs> come on! I, I I know that you guys are, know more than one song. <laughs> I, I know. What seventy? Well, seventy. What do you think of the show overall? The show itself was, it's okay. Um, I didn't hate it as much as I expected it to. Um, <laughs> like got, I don't know. I don't hate it. Um. <laughs> Put I that don't on the like DVD the idea. Box too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't hate it. Stephanie Cook talking comics. <laughs> I don't like the idea of where it's going. Like the next few episodes um, are focused on the villains, and I really just don't like the idea of origin stories over and over again. I don't care. I thought that this was like what Bobby said. Like I thought this was going to be more of like the cop side of it, and um, you know. Gordon's start being a rookie and like the next couple of episodes are named after each of the villains and they give us like you know it's like the next one is Selena Kyle and blah 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 and like well I really think Selena Kyle was one of the stronger characters she moved like so cat-like and she really actually rocked the role of Catwoman or Selena Kyle to me but I don't want the origin stories I don't care for that I don't want to know how the Riddler got his beginnings i don't want to know how ivy pepper what the fuck name is that (laughs) but her origins i don't care i want to know i want them to be detectives in gotham city i don't want this other shit they can Mm -hmm. all have cameos and they can be easter eggs and stuff but to me the show should the focus of the show should be james gordon and it doesn't seem like that's what the show intends to focus on um so i don't know can just as a timeout uh ivy pepper the little girl that plays her does anyone else notice that she was the little girl that played young piper in orange is the new black yep. she's like oh. making a name for herself as like future felons yeah she was also um, <laughs> she was also in the show girls oh really interesting mm-hmm. um, um but yeah and also i love that a rookie cop and his wife, that's or fiance, that seemingly does nothing, can afford a penthouse suite in the clock tower. Yeah, they have a nice apartment. She's an art dealer. She's an art dealer. But <laughs> and his dad was district attorney. Oh, that's true. We don't know for how long. That's so. true. She, he could come from money. That's true. Yeah. But they don't really explain that. It's, it's a very TV thing to do, though. That's they, they do that in nearly every television show. Um, but yeah, those so friends swanky. couldn't afford those apartments either. Yeah, <laughs> and like you see him so often in the comics. Like even after he gets like commissioner status mm-hmm. in like dingy apartments yeah. and like. It's just like, fancy! Things fancy (laughs) happen here! (laughs) Like, I don't know. It's just, like, the little things. And, like, the show itself, um, uh, like, the dialogue to me, I really like Donald Logue a lot. Like, his show Terriers is so criminally underrated. It's so good. Um, And he's just great in almost everything that he's in. And um, I felt like, especially at the beginning of the show, where they're in, like, the precinct, uh, Mackenzie and Loke's dialogue together felt so rehearsed. It didn't feel like acting. It felt like them reading lines to one another. I don't want you to be my partner. Oh, well, you're stuck with me, aren't you? I guess. <laughs> womp womp. Like, it I, just felt yeah. so stiff. I did feel like there's there was definitely some kind of getting the lead out, like, you know, uh, the pilot type of we're still kind of 
getting to comfortable with each other because i feel like there are scenes later that are much better uh, and i feel like yeah donald Logue definitely yeah. it's funny because donald Logue looks like they scanned the comic book and put him in yes. he's like born to play mm-hmm. harvey bullock um and i think part of the reason at the beginning i was i was he i was focused on him. i was like he's gonna be so great and you're absolutely right i mean at the beginning parts i was like he's not really very great right now and so i started off a little bit iffy on it Although, um, when it first started. Sorry, go ahead. So I don't think that's necessarily him. I think that's just the chemistry between yeah. him. Yeah. For sure. But mm-hmm. he's he's so great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think he has, come- yeah, oh. he might steal the show. He might. Yeah, absolutely. By the time we get around to the scenes at, at Fish's Club, right. it's, it's much looser yes. between them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And I will say one thing. I, I, Stephanie, I, and I'm right there with you with the, we have to talk about who, where all these villains came from thing there's a scene with i mean this is not a spoiler because it's just it's one scene there's a scene with edward nigma and Mm -hmm. that was maybe the scene that annoyed me the most in the entire thing i I, I was like don't say these these things yeah (laughs) it has like the classic like i'm gonna say things that are gonna allude to what you're gonna be later and i just yeah Yeah. don't give me your riddles nigma exactly i can't take that stuff he starts off holding this evidence bag and says, tell me what this is. And Harvey's yeah. like, don't give me your riddles. I'm like, that's not yeah. even a riddle. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's a fundamental misunderstanding of what a riddle is. Yeah, absolutely. And then so- when he has a riddle, it's not even that good. So yeah, yeah he really needs to improve with the, the riddling before he goes pro. With that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, he, you know, he's still learning. <laughs> He a good riddler. He's an amateur riddler. He's an amateur now. riddler. Um, yeah. So that scene, but I will say the thing I thought I was going to be most Ups, uh, most peeved about was the Oswald Cobblepot stuff. He's awesome. Because I love him. <laughs> because the way that he looks, and I think Matt Fraction wrote this on Twitter, he was like making fun of the show and he was like, see when Oswald Cobblepot was a, was a weird emo murder nerd. <laughs> you know, um, and I was like, are they, is he going to be like nebbish guy who gets like picked on and then, but when, the moment you see him, he's like, uh, you know, a sociopathic, you know, person and i thought that was great his arc in the pilot was pretty cool I it was say. By it the, was by the end of the episode you definitely see the makings of him becoming the penguin right and i don't mind it so much because he, he doesn't start off as like he was just a good guy you know that's what i was worried about with all of this yeah. stuff um that's and, what i'm worried about the enigma stuff like that but this i was like this is good this is he's a bad guy who becomes badder i can deal with that stephanie what were you gonna say and I just like if those were the arcs that were going to be set up, I might be okay with it generally. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, I don't know. I just have this feeling that it's not going to be that. Like, there, I won't spoil what the cameo was, but like, there was somebody at Fish Mooney's club, mm-hmm. and I was like, "So help me, if you give this character a backstory, I'm fucking done." <laughs> oh, he'll have a backstory. I'm seriously happen. done. Yep. It's gonna. If you happen. try and justify anything about that character, done. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, they have said though they're like I'm not gonna. They said there's gonna be several red herrings along the way um, um, well, about who that character is. I I think okay. The thing that wound up working for me in Arrow is that you know it's a comic book show, but they wound up kind of you know they're like these are the Easter eggs for the people who read the comics and know you know, the history of Arrow and the characters in the show. And if you don't, you're not missing out on anything in the show. It's still going to be enjoyable for people who are not comic fans. And I feel like Arrow's gotten smart. Like, it allows, you know, fans to 
be anyone and just enjoy the show. And I feel like Gotham is already trying too hard to cater to certain crowds. And I don't know if that's just, you know, first issue-itis, pilot-itis, um, but it just feels like it's trying too hard. It's like, Mommy, love me! <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I would say coming in without having a lot of familiarity with the, the actual comic continuity, I didn't really feel lost or like I was really missing anything with um, the, the characters or what was going on in the show. Um, I'm assuming that most people who are watching Gotham have probably seen the movies like I have. So, you know, they probably know kind of who Catwoman is and the Penguin and the Riddler. Um, but yeah, I didn't really feel like, I mean, I, I assumed that there was probably some stuff in the show that I wasn't picking up on um, because I haven't really read the, the Batman comics, but um, it didn't, it didn't bother me um, in uh, watching it. Well, I more mean like, okay, like an arrow, if say, Poison Ivy was in Arrow, you know, as a little kid, um, you know, she might open the door and be like, oh, I'm Pamela. And then, like, as you're talking to the parents, you'd see her playing with, like, plants or, like, taking care of plants or something. And it'd be subtle. And that's kind of what they did, except not – they just forced <laughs> it in your face more. Yeah. Like, it's <laughs> more it, – it, like the the cameos and the things that you're supposed to be like, uh, uh, oh, I see what you're doing. Right. Like, it's just like look at look at you see you see you see right. her egg? look at her yeah. Egg. Well, this this show is definitely not subtle with yeah. its references, but I think that you know maybe part of that is because they know that there's going to be a mass audience viewing that has a very casual familiarity with the source property and may only kind of vaguely recall these characters so maybe they feel like they've got to really you know hammer that home like hey remember remember that there was a character with this name um so you know that might be what they're doing it is a little i i mean i definitely noticed that uh when i was watching and hopefully they will tone that down um <laughs> as the series goes on because it was a little bit it was a little bit hang you you know with a with a brick yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say, I, I think that, I, you know, I said that Ben McKenzie kind of was half and half for me. There are two conversations he has with the young Bruce Wayne, which I think both are really excellent. When he's being earnest and, and expressive, I think he does a really good job. It's kind of the in-between moments where he's just kind of broody cop that I feel like I'm not getting anything out of him. Like, it, mm-hmm. And I, 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 I talked to somebody earlier, I said boring, and I, don't, I was never bored watching the show. But he's just not giving me any kind of charisma. His moments with Barbara were pretty boring. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't bored, but I'm just like, you're not giving me anything that I haven't seen before. There's nothing really especially interesting about you, especially with the characters around you in these moments. Because there's, there's such colorful characters that happen around him that you, you, sometimes he gets kind of lost in that, mm-hmm. in that mush sometimes. Yeah. That moment with Bruce, though, where there, there will be light. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful stuff. Beautifully written, beautifully performed by both. Yes, people in the scene. Yeah, and to me, like even even those are my favorite conversations. I'm not interested at all in the stuff with young Bruce, and it's only because I don't want to see him like standing on roofs and and being like I'm. You know, that kind of stuff doesn't resonate with me because I know Bruce's story. I know what he does. He lives he lives miserably for for. 20 years and then he goes off and he becomes Batman. Like that's what he does. Like I know what he does. So I don't, I'm not 
I'm not as interested in his stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought, like you said, J.P. Pinkett Smith was great. Uh, yeah. this, this, this new character, Fish Mooney. Um, the little bit we get to see of kind of some other big characters, um, I, I thought were, were really good. I think overall it's a fun show. It's got sinks and problems, but I I enjoyed what I saw despite those things. Yeah. Enough mm-hmm. where I go, okay, maybe if they have a couple episodes to work out the kinks, then I will enjoy mm-hmm. m- more. Because look, I mean, I got to tell you this. I like this first episode more than I liked Arrow's first episode. Yeah, hundred percent by a lot, and I love Arrow now. So if this show can kind of produce and kind of work out its kinks and be something that become kind of grows into itself, then I'm in. You know, some TV shows need a couple episodes. Does that mean that you should sit through episodes you don't like? Absolutely not. But if you are enjoying it and you think there's promise, it's worth it to see things through. There's a there's a character angle or a character. With Bar- Barbara, who eventually becomes Barbara Gordon, mm. Barbara Keen, I believe is yeah. her name in this. Um, they imply that she had a relationship with another character on the show mm-hmm. yes. uh, before. How is it that Gordon is a detective and doesn't know about this former relationship with somebody within his own? I mean, I know he's a rookie. Yeah, he wasn't there. All right. You know, but, it's not like he, I don't think he's investigating his fiance yeah no <laughs> doesn't instill a lot of confidence in me about this, about this <laughs> though but um yeah no Spoilers, I, I can smell your sex partners <laughs> what's that stuff Spoilers, Sorry, he becomes the commissioner <laughs> he's a pretty good detective <laughs> yeah no i just i just thought it was like it was it was a thing where you know one of those flags that goes up like this is gonna be her thing mm-hmm. when we mm-hmm. move forward and i just was thinking to myself i'm like is that really that interesting or necessary i don't know i mean the other thing too is like you know who that character is yeah so you know what they're talking about right. but someone who's not in the Batman world and right. not in the deep Batman world right. because that character is not a everyone knows this person right. character. I, I think they're talking very vaguely and anybody who knows will know it's, it's a good point so I don't want to I don't want to spoil it for people. I think that it's something that a mystery that will be unraveled. I would be very curious to talk to like even a, a group of people or even an individual who doesn't have the exposure to this material that we do to see what they think of the show. Well, even Courtney has, doesn't have a lot of Batman foreknowledge, yeah, so... Not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How yes. much would you say that you have, though? Just the movies and stuff, right? Movies, yeah. yeah. So you don't read any of the Batman books? Uh, no, I will I will be uh, reading Batgirl starting uh, this next oh, okay. month, but I've never read any of the Batman comics. All right, then. That's cool. So that's so. it. We have a good, yeah. <laughs> and I think that's good, though, because your perspective is great, because you get to review it just as a TV show. I think we run into that problem a lot. We talked about this, right? Someone asks us how you review things when it's based on source material. And something that's very tough to separate yourself from the source material that yep. you know. So it's really cool that you're doing the recaps and, and the reviews. Um, uh, we don't have too, there's not too much more to say about the episode of the show. I want to go around mm-hmm. and get some like final thoughts and some like, you know, things mm-hmm. that you want to talk about. Mm-hmm. So Courtney, what, what are some standout moments for you that you really liked? Um, what did you take away from this episode? Sure. Well, first of all, I will say a uh, reference to Steve's comment, um, ha- not knowing that character. I-, I did look up that character afterwards, <laughs> so I know now what you're talking about. Um, but I did. That is what I picked up from that conversation. Okay, cool. 
So looking up that character confirmed that thought for me. So, <laughs> um, but standout moments, um, you know, I would say definitely like we talked about the the, the look of the show. Uh, I, I think is fantastic. I mean, you're very much in you know Gotham at, at least you know as I've kind of come to expect to see it from from the movies and you know I, I feel like I'm in that world um in the show um stand up moment a little bit later in the episode I I said before the show I said I already know that the penguin is gonna be my favorite because I have a villain problem and I totally admit to this um so I, I really like there's a scene with him and fish uh later on in the episode and i thought uh that the acting both by uh robin lord taylor who plays uh, the penguin and jada pinkett smith who plays a uh, fish um was excellent in that scene it was a really really good scene um and uh yeah i i mean i actually i thought ben mckenzie was, was pretty good i haven't seen him in a long time i remember when he was on the oc um, he'll always be Chino uh, to, to me, Ryan Atwood. Um, but yeah, the bro- Broody is kind of his thing. Um, you know, I, I, I think it works for me, for Jim Gordon. Um, but uh, I mean, it's not a whole lot of range, but, <laughs> but I think it works. I, I do agree. I think that hopefully this will not become the baby Batman show. Um We've been there, done that, and, you know, I I think we can go back to Bruce occasionally, check in with him, but I'd really much rather see what else is going on in Gotham, Um, and I think that that will make the show much more interesting. Awesome. Cool. Bob? I was very happy that it didn't strike me as Smallville Mm -hmm. right away. Again, I was happy that it was not quick cut MTV. It was more like a, a police procedural. Even my real problem with we discussed earlier is everything connected mm-hmm. and because of all the as everyone's pointed out the giant finger pointing red flags waving look at me stuff that happened into it i'm concerned that it's going to end up being a soap opera that instead of the slow build through these characters maybe just a you saw a glimpse of them in the background and we move through it episode to episode it's how much can we cram into each one and if it for the old time, you know, daily soap operas used to be on, you have to change locations every three minutes to catch up on this guy's story and that one's story. Yeah. And I think we're, we're because all these characters are connected to the origin at some level, it seems like we're going for, boy, there are a lot of people involved, including witnesses we didn't know were there. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and so it, it's going to become, I think, really quickly. I mean, granted, we can all catch back up on the internet, whatever. It's going to be one of those shows that, as some comic books have become over the years, so continuity-dense, you won't be able to jump in once it becomes the thing. Mm-hmm. And it'll be, wait for the DVDs to come out six months from now and watch a season and do a binge right. to try to catch back up. But mm-hmm. I'm much more impressed by it than I thought I was. So that's a good start. I'll watch one more, at least. Absolutely. Steve, takeaways. I really liked... Oh, God. I don't want to use the word liked. I thought the death scene with Bruce's parents was very interesting. Spoilers, everybody. Bruce Wayne's parents died. <gasps> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I liked it because it felt... At first, it bothered me that I, I was like, wow, I was like, well, that was very unceremonious. Like, it just happened. It was very quick, and it felt a little empty to me, in a way. And then I thought about it, 
I said, well, doesn't that just make it worse? Doesn't that just make mm-hmm. the situation mm-hmm. worse because it was so unceremonious and it was so cold and it was so quick and done that all of a sudden your parents were just taken away from you just like that with no real answers. And in hindsight, it really affected me more than I than I thought it did initially. Um, so that scene I thought was great. Anything involving Bullock and, and Donald Logue, um, I really, really like him as an actor. Uh, he had a show called Grounded for Life mm-hmm. that I watched like religiously every day before school. And um, the final moments, which we won't spoil with Penguin, where you really get a sense of, of where he's headed and where he goes from kind of being the man to becoming the monster that we know him to be. Um, I just, his body posture, the, the cinematography and, and the, the, the filming and just a lot of things about that final scene. I was like, I want more of that. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really cool. So, um, yeah, I'm definitely going to be tuning into it uh, every week. I'm going to stick with it. I really enjoyed it. For all the the little nitpicks, it's not going to deter me from I love Batman. I like knowing what's going on with these shows. And unless it becomes unbearable, I'll definitely be tuning in. Right. Stephanie, what about you? Um, I don't know. I, I think I'm going to check out another episode at least and see whether, like Bob said, it'll be something that I pick up when it's done with and kind of watch or just watch on Netflix inevitably. Mm-hmm. Um, like I'm going to give it one more cause it'll either capture me or it won't. And I think the next episode will be a good gauge of that since I think it's one of the first uh, villain focused episodes. So that's going to tell me whether this is something I want to invest my time in. And I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, absolutely. So for me, it's very similar to what you guys are saying. I, I thought the performances were very strong. I thought that uh, it hit a lot of points that I didn't expect it to hit. I I, I think that the scenes I'd mentioned with, with Jim and, and Bruce and then the stuff with the Penguin, which I honestly expected to hate and ended up really liking, mm-hmm. uh, I those scenes were powerful. There was some fudginess in the middle <laughs> that I, 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 I thought when it didn't work so great, but I think that overall it was entertaining it had some characters that I'm interested in, and I've watched second episodes of shows for less th- than that. So I think the microscope is is very keen on this, obviously for us because it's it's called Gotham. But if I compared this to like when I watched other pilots, like the Sleepy Hollow pilot or something like that, which I enjoyed, it has similar problems. Like there's a lot of problems that happen mm-hmm. over pilots. So I, I think that it deserves a second chance for me. Um, I look forward to seeing what these actors will do with the roles and, and how they bring it to them. Maybe the guy who plays Edward Nyingba and the writing will will mm. will change my mind about what they're doing. Give him a real riddle to tell. Yeah, yes. exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, but I, I think that it, it it has promise and it's it it surprised me in ways. Both of those things I did not expect to say before I watched it. So uh, yeah, so that's Gotham. I mean, I'm sure over the next weeks and, and months we'll check in and talk about it here and there. Uh, look for Courtney's recaps on on TalkingComicBooks.com. Um, Courtney is also recapping Doctor Who, and she has other. She does our kind of classic recaps. You did Kings, correct? 
Yes, and uh, I will be doing a recap of a show from the UK called The Fades. Um, yes! It has a <laughs> from coming. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so from time to time, I'll be kind of revisiting shows that got canceled very quickly or had very brief runs that maybe people haven't um, heard of or gotten a chance to see. Um, so try to highlight some of those and try to pick some that, you know, ha- maybe have people in them that, you know, or in other properties that that people may be familiar with. So uh, yeah, so I did Kings first, which has Sebastian Stan, uh, Winter Soldier <laughs> in it, and uh, you'll be doing fades. And uh, I guess tonight I've got to go watch uh, Agents of Shield. Oh yes, absolutely. Yes. Which Natalie uh, Dormer's in the fades. She mm-hmm. is, and she is great in in the fades. Yes, she um, is. Who else? There's another person in the fades, and right now I'm blanking on it. Not not Ian Castaker, but um, there's another really good uh, actor who's in that show. It was it, it really should have lasted more than one series. <laughs> I honestly thought that it was coming back, but it didn't. So no, sad. No. It's a girl from Skins is in it too. Uh, Lily Loveless. Yes, yes, she is. Oh, I know who it is, but it's not an actress you would know. Never mind. She's on a uh, <laughs> the uh, actress who plays the girl that he likes is on another British uh, a comedy oh, okay. show that I watch. So yes. Uh, oh yeah, and and the guy who plays um, the uh, the bastard in Game of Thrones and uh, that's what's everybody. Yeah. <laughs> no, Please. but like um, Jon uh, Snow. No, not not. Uh, not not the bastard. Oh, <laughs> oh. Are you my mistake. You and Rian from uh, he was on Misfits. He plays Gendry. Yeah. Okay. Oh, not not Gendry. Uh, sorry, no, that's uh, okay, guys. That's, okay, guys, we're going on too long sorry. with this. Yes, we're going we're on too long with this. This is not a this is not a here. side personal conversation. <laughs> we're doing yes, a podcast. Watch Gotham. <laughs> we are recording recaps. this. You can um, read my recaps if you don't want to watch Gotham. It's true. You can know everything. You can get the whole show. Absolutely. All right, Courtney. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll we'll talk to you soon. Good night. Bye. All right. So before we uh, move on to some a couple listener questions from the forums, which we promised we'd do, to read some listener reactions to um, to Gotham. Um, at Rpad says it wasn't all that bad. I'll watch the next one. At uh, at Fit Nat says better than I was expecting. Looking forward to more. Johnny McDonald says I never I tr- I never try to judge a show on the first episode. Too much character introduction to get a feel for the show. Um, this is at DF2506 really good liked the noir feel Bullock and Gordon were great Penguin was so creepy looking forward to seeing more um, let's see what else we got here um, the liberal Bastion did not enjoy it he said Matt Bullock was so one dimensional Penguin was good time frame was very confusing um, at uh, Farizi Cheesy says uh, <laughs> wow, outside awesome. of the name drops it felt kind of generic but still good enough that I'll continue watching um Amy O'Grady wrote a very funny one, but it's sort of a spoiler, so I'm not going to read it. Um, uh, at uh, uh, Keltronica says, it was okay. It wasn't the best thing ever or anything. It made me decide to get Gotham Central, though. Uh, uh, <laughs> Greg Ruckus says thanks. Uh, Daniel Hoover says, Batman Mythos gave it a more interesting story look than a standard police procedural. I love the sets. Um, Kelly Heron says, interesting take on the Batman world. Fish Mooney and the Penguin were great. Hope they pull away from Bruce going forward. If they focus on the city rogues and less on Bruce, the show could do something really exciting and new. I will keep watching. Um, it's a uh, long tweet. It was two tweets. Oh. <laughs> yeah, she's wanted to do. Um, 
this let's see what I hear uh, Nick Nick Guerra who's a writer for the site says for a pilot it was very good it had a unique Batman tone about it like the whole cast not one actor character pissed me off um, and really funny we had um, he actually tweeted about one of the actors in the show who played one of the members of the MCU and then they tweeted back at us really <laughs> yes <laughs> saying thank you so much keep uh, Andrew Stewart Jones says thank you so much keep watching we've got a hell of a story lined up uh, and he plays Christmas Allen. Uh, he was the Renee Montoya's partner. Ah, yeah. Um, I forgot to mention her. That was interesting seeing her. On yeah, screen. it was. Yeah. She was the main one that made my brain go, "What? What timeline?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was like, she's not like fifty when Bruce is Batman. Yeah. Um, but I'm really glad she's in the show. To be quite honest with you, I don't think they've done very much with their character yet. But I love her as a character, so I'm really excited mm-hmm. to see what they do with that. Um, yeah, so we got a lot of good reactions, a lot of a lot of people kind of really I think everyone in very in the comic book side is kind of sharing the same feeling about it, right? Th- this kind of I expected not to like it. Yeah. And I ended up really yeah. liking it. Or I ended up kind of liking it. So um it's cool. I mean I, I think that that's a pleasant surprise. We've got Obviously, a bunch of shows th- this this year. Uh, the Arrow and uh, uh, Arrow and Flash premiere uh, the first week in October, mm-hmm. so we'll be seeing that really, really soon. Um, did you see that Amanda Pays is going to be on Flash? I did. Yeah, it's, I think it's, it's pretty cool. Interesting. Ooh, just like at this point where we're at with these these movies and these television shows and stuff like that, that whenever one of them comes around, that they're scrutinized so heavily by the fan base. Yeah, you know, I feel like everybody that watched the show was sitting there with like their fist underneath their chin going hmm yeah like looking to find things and then in the end hopefully um just being like well all right yeah and you know even if you didn't like it entirely that there was at least a few things you could take away from it yeah i mean we had a couple of people on facebook as well dan sims says some really deep fan service even within the first 10 minutes it was great to see montoya and crispus allen already if this turns out to be the gotham central show it appears to be i'm effing pumped um don witzel says not bad i'll give it five episodes i do love the performances great cast i just don't know if 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 it's a part of a dc universe i want to see um tony vaughn with the very expressive i didn't hate it (laughs) (laughs) Um, listening to stephanie yeah (laughs) um lawrence estrella says definitely a pilot episode need a few more episodes till it gets its footing um we had some we had some uh intense one from this is marquesso says i hated it Flat acting, bad music, not one but two Dead Weather songs that did not have the scene. Uh, too many characters introduced at once and all the cliches. Uh, probably won't be giving this another episode. That's actually Stephanie under a pseudonym. Yeah. That was that was one aspect of it that I did not pay attention to at all was the music. The music. Yeah, I didn't all, notice any like, music. Even yeah. remotely. Yeah. Um, but thank you, everybody, for, for writing in and, and getting back to us. It's really, really great to hear from you guys about the show. Um, let us know what you thought about Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. too. Tweeted us, no spoilers, but it'd be cool to hear from you guys about that as well. Um, so now I have to find our listener question page that went away from me. I just want to say hello to Arpad and Fignat that you read at the beginning. They're friends of mine. Oh, cool. Yeah. Now, I haven't heard their names on the show before. So. I think they're, it's one of the first times. We had a couple uh, new people joining us yeah. relatively mm-hmm. recently, so it's been nice. Um, let's see. What's Arpad's our... uh, good friends with my girlfriend. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's go back here. We had some really, really good questions. Actually, Bob, do you have any of them written down? Do you have the one about the, the albums? Yeah. Yes, yeah. sure. If you could pick, I'm, I'm paraphrasing like mad because I didn't write it down entirely, not knowing okay. I have to read it out. But if you could pick a band to create a concept album over a comic book storyline, who would it be and what story? I hope I have that reasonably I think close. You're, I think you're pretty right. 
I think you're pretty right about that. Um, I'm gonna, I'm looking through it right now, just I didn't have it up right now. I'll, okay. I'll find the person who wrote it. But Bob, what, what did you have for that? Oh, I've got millions. You've I've got, got millions. millions? Oh, I've got I've got five. I've got for each era. Come on. <laughs> if it's the '60s, I want the Galactus storyline, and I want you know, the Jefferson Airplane or something to do something really nice. spacey with Grace Slick's voice. Yeah, maybe Velvet Underground or some, but I think Airplane would be the way to go. Sweet. 70s i'd want a luke cage thing with a stevie wonder track with maybe the four top singing the yes. title song some really wrecky wrecky <laughs> guitars and some some uh nice moog going on moog i'm sorry i always do that I mangle that poor dead man's moog. name moog it's moog moog it's moog i always say moog because that's how i grew up saying but it's actually moog i heard him say it in a documentary it rhymes with vogue I like the word mook mook <laughs> no that's mookie ah, from yeah, yeah, from mook. or oh, yeah or, or from do the right thing uh, 80s, 90s, I'd want something like Watchmen or Crisis with Metallica or Queensryche. Oof. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, right? Could work. Metallica. So this is the, yeah. the boogeyman on, on the forums, okay. by the way, who asked this question. So, yeah. There we go. Thank you, Boogie. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, I'd like to see uh, a She-Hulk thing with Nellie Mackay, the crazy jazz mm-hmm. ukulele player, piano player kind of thing, and a Captain Marvel with the, the, the enemy within, Florence and the Machine. Nice! Wow! Wow! Bob so, spent all sorts of. Bob like kicks our ass like across the board. He does. He's, he's like, you think I'm gonna talk about old stuff, don't you? Well, I'm gonna talk about old stuff and new stuff. Mic <laughs> <Mike> drop. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> now you go next. <laughs> I've, I've I've got a few, but I I can't. I've got a few too. I've all got right. a few too. Um, do you want to go? You you go because I'm okay. Nobody's gonna know who the hell I'm talking about. So okay. So uh, day tripper is one. Oh. Um, explosions in the sky. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, I was thinking, like, who could do the lyrics? I was like, no lyrics. Just powerful, emotional I have a lot of instrumentals yeah. on mine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Essex County, Wilco. Ooh. Uh, yeah. Um, I would I love. Um, wow. And uh, uh, I have uh, Spider-Man Blue with uh, Glenn Hansard and Marquetta. I can never say her last name. They want to do the Once Glova. soundtrack. Yes. Yeah, in Glova, yeah. Yes. yeah. Um, and Young Avengers, My Chemical Romance. Oh, yeah. that's so cool. Those are really good ones. Uh, awesome. All right, Steve, you want to go? Um, yeah, I would love to see that Doctor Strange issue that we had, that new, oh, Avengers, new Avengers Doctor Strange issue. I would love to have, there's a band called Holy Other that do, they're an instrumental band, just really atmospheric, like almost like like ethereal, orchestral haunting sounds that just would do a spectacular job. I, I listen to them a lot when I'm reading on the plane, when I'm flying out to Canada. Uh, the Gwen Stacy Spider Girl issue. I would love a soundtrack from the band Screaming Females. Just high, mm-hmm. high energy, three piece, crazy drums and and wicked guitar, and just really like super slam empowering empowering lyrics and stuff like that. Fun stuff. Uh, I would love an Amon Tobin soundtrack for FBP. Um, Amon Tobin is this. He's a a DJ that also does kind of like trancy ethereal stuff but when he performs he builds these constructs that he brings and puts out onto the stage like he has a series of cubes that he places in the center of the stage and they're clear so when the light the light show comes and it bounces the lights off of the cubes it refracts into the audience and creates all of these crazy cityscapes and and just if you ever go to youtube type in amon tobin and something called like snacks for your brain or something like that (laughs) It's phenomenal. And my last one, I would love to see uh, Saga be given a soundtrack by Tom York of Radiohead. Oh, nice. That'd be cool. Yeah. Absolutely. Something okay computer-ish for for Saga. Yeah. Stephanie, you got some for us? 
Um, I don't know. I didn't see these questions beforehand, so I didn't have time to think about it. You should listen to the show last week. Uh, (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) I was not well. Um, Would you want to call me to think about it? We'll go to another question if you want. Um, I had one a second ago. I want like, um, uh, nausea. That would be like, because every I always associate with Kill Bill. I'd love Quentin Tarantino to do one of his like epic, crazy soundtracks for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not anyone specific. But yeah, um, he'll use like weird, like, oh, this is the this is the theme from I Dream of Genie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and just like do like a wide, like crazy mix of things, and mm-hmm. have like, um, you know, just a little bit of like, uh, what's her name, uh, Nancy Sinatra, and then you know have like. Uh, what is it? The the one two three fours or something? Yes, mm-hmm. that's what they're called. Um, yeah. you know, just crazy stuff all over the place. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I'll try and think of other ones. Absolutely. So let's move. Let's go this one. This is uh, g- this is from Good Evening on the mm-hmm. on the forum. Evening. Evening. It's evening, like the Pokemon. Oh, as, as yeah. opposed to Alfred Hitchcock. Right. <laughs> Um, we just we we figured this out on Misfits. Mara figured it out. Oh, uh, okay. Of course, <laughs> of course Mara figured it yeah. out. <laughs> Eevee is one of the best Pokemon. That's what Mara said. Also, <laughs> so good. And there's so many of them too. You gotta catch them all. Uh, <laughs> oh man, nicely done. <laughs> so uh, here we go. Um, are there any series that you've had low expectations for, but after giving them a shot, were pleasantly surprised? How many issues does it typically take for you to decide that book is worth is is or is not worth reading? Uh, I'll tell you something for me, and it's so weird because we just talked about this earlier. But every time I read a Deadpool book, <laughs> I think I'm gonna hate it for no reason because I like the character, but I'm always worried that it's gonna be like that uh, next level kind of. Mm-hmm. I I can't take it; it's too much Deadpool. But then I, we talk about Deadpool versus Hawkeye. Um, I remember back when we were when it was the Avenging Spider-Man. They had that that Deadpool two issue thing where he was kind of like in Spider-Man's brain or whatever. Um, the Jerry Dugan stuff is good. All the the Colin Bunn miniseries have been really good. So uh, it's always with them. I'm always I'm always going to them with low expectations. I end up really really liking them. Oh. yeah, hmm. yeah. Um, for me, Phonogram was actually one of those things where. I, I bought it from Rob several, probably a year, maybe even two years ago, and I started reading it, and I read the first issue, I suppose, within the trade, and it came off as just very, like, stuck-up, you know, music, uh, hipster, whatever, and I really had no idea what I was reading or or could appreciate the tone of it and the like the sophistication and where that book was going and what it was doing. And I completely dismissed it. Mm-hmm. And then earlier this year or a couple of months back, I read it again and wow, like it became one of my favorite things I've ever read. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I definitely poo-pooed that, that book on a first read and didn't like it at all. And then picked it up again. Cause I knew that uh, wicked and the divine was mm-hmm. coming out or I found, no, I found trade two. And it was beautiful. The colors. Cause the first one's in black and white. And the second one is just absolutely gorgeous and i'm like well i have to read the first one mm. went back and fell head over heels in love with it cool bob you have anything yeah uh two similar things one a couple of years old one new matt fractions defenders big fan of the original and didn't know anything about matt fraction at that point and it was just bizarre weird filled with history backstory and great characterizations across the board of all these really crazy characters and then that led into Red She-Hulk for me by Jeff mm. Parker. But currently, it was Mighty Avengers. 
loved the characters but thought it was going to end up being a gimmick or just tokenism. But Al Ewing so delivered the goods and he had the, the land problem to go with it. Mm-hmm. And his work was better than I thought it was going to be. And the book turned into one of my favorites, probably my favorite Avengers on the stand. Cool. Stephanie, anything from you? Yeah. Um, I think, first of all, like a, from a few years ago, um, like my ex had picked up uh, The Sword by the Luna Brothers and the art was just like not up my alley at all. And um, he bought all the trades of it. So he read it and thought that it was like amazing. And I went to go read it. Like he was like, you should read it. And I was like, "Eh, I'm not really into the art. And I read it anyways. And like after that first issue, I was like completely hooked because the story is just so great. And then, you know, it, it, it was just made up for like the art. And then you kind of realize that, like their style just goes hand in hand with the the story, uh, and then more recently, Coffin Hill. Um, yes, love that book. I didn't have high expectations for that because I don't know. It just seemed not up my alley from the kind of description of it. It seemed like something I wouldn't enjoy, and you know, like a couple issues into it, and like I read it religiously now. I love it so much, and I think it, it's just. It depends on what kind of person you are like and how much you don't like or like an issue. If you straight up hate a first issue of something, um, like obviously you're not going to be inclined to read a second issue. But if you're so-so on it, I I think you just keep on reading until it's no longer worth your money. You know, like it it just has to be, I don't think there's any um, call on that goes for everybody on when you quit buying a title that you haven't been in love with. Yeah. And conversely, you know, there's plenty of books that I've loved the first issue and then just lost the fire for it along the way. Oh yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's such a long game with most comics that it, it really is, like Stephanie said, it's like you're evaluating almost on a month to month, week to week basis yeah. about what's worth keeping and what's not. Well, it's your, your it's your money. You know, like you, you work for it, you're paying for it and you know, you're, you're paying for your, your interests and your hobby, but if it lacks in quality, then there's, you know, things you have to question. Your money is valuable. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Whispers is one of those stories. I Mm -hmm. mean, everybody knows I love the Luna brothers. That story was spectacular when it started and for like three, four issues, it was great. And then out of nowhere, it just got too big for, for itself for as short as it was meant to be. And just fell apart. Mm-hmm. I saw the trade for it the other day in Barnes and Noble, and it just it made me sad. <laughs> um, Stephanie, I want to point this this question towards you because you read a lot of your books um, electronically. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is from same same listener. Um, I've been thinking about starting to read comics electronically to make it easier to read on my commute to and from work. However, I much prefer having physical copies of books to fill up my shelves. What do you think are the pros and cons of having electronic copies versus physical copies? Um. Well, like like you, I travel a lot. Like if you're commuting back and forth to work, it's hard to kind of carry around everything you want to read with you all the time. And then there's that thing where it's like, what if I have an extra long commute and I run out of things? Um, I always have things like that running through my head, like weird variables where it's like, I need to have more stuff all at once, just in case. Now my iPad pad is like, like actually somehow over at 64 gigs. (laughs) <laughs> and it's completely filled with comics. I don't have like any apps on it at all. Um, 
so that's not really my problem. But, um, you know, like, I think it's hard because I still collect, but Marvel, for instance, you know, they make it possible for you to have, to buy your comics and have it digital too. Cause you know, the Marvel have the redeem codes for mm -hmm. digital copies. So if Marvel books are things that you're collecting, you can always buy those for your collection and then redeem the codes so that you can have them electronically as well. Um, I think in the future, we're going to start to see uh, other companies adopting that, um, you know, method as well, but it's going to take a little bit of time for people to gauge whether that's worth it. Um, you know, based on what Marvel's currently doing, but, um, I honestly love it. I love the ability to download like any comics to my iPad, any books, anything that I want to read. I like having it just in something relatively lightweight. Um, I mean, I can't pack a zillion comics with me, um, and just hope, you know, like, it'll magically be like Hermione's bag in Harry Potter in which it's just not heavy, but you can put endless stuff in it, like a Mary Poppins bag. Um, that's not really, you know, feasible when we don't have magic. <laughs> um, so, I mean, digital is great. And, you know, for single issues especially, I find it's like the best way possible because we're so inundated with books after books after books after books week after week after week that collections can get ridiculous. And right now, I'm almost done completely buying single issues and I only buy like physical stuff. I only buy trades of things that I loved. So I do the single issues digitally and then I collect the trades um, physically for my shelves. Uh, and I actually... Just in case, um, you. I also bought one of these. Uh, it's from bcwsupplies.com, but it's um, it's a single-issue binder. So uh, what happens is, you know, like it, it's kind of just like got Velcro, and it is just kind of like a case for your single issues. So you can put, I think, like 20 in here, and just kind of bring them with you and it protects your comics. If you do want to bring things on your commute. Oh, um, that's really cool. I didn't know that, that existed. Like yeah. Yeah, you definitely and um, that. <laughs> it has like an insert for the front. So you can put like original art in it or whatever, like to make it unique and fun. Cool. That's really oh, cool. So BCW? I actually, yeah, bcwsupplies.com. Um, that's, and I got mine at Captain Blue Hen Comics in Delaware. Um, and I didn't know that these existed either. And I had picked up a few single issues because I hadn't had a chance to buy any comics for a while. So uh, while Bill was doing a signing, I was like raiding the store for single issues. So I had all these single issues and I'm like, crap, I'm going to wreck these like on my way home. And she's like, why don't you buy um, a comics binder? And I was like, what? What's, what do you mean? Like, is it just like a binder with like inserts or whatever? She's like, no, like it has Velcro. You open it up and um, like you can neatly fit um, you know, a bunch of your single issues in there and then it's easy to travel with. You can take it to shows if you want things to get signed and you can just put it in a bag and it limits you to, you know, like 20 comics and that way they don't get wrecked and it's an easy transport. So just in case digital isn't up your alley and you do like to bring large quantities of comics around with you, that's an option mm -hmm. as well. That's great. Yeah. Seven, you nailed that question. I gotta, I gotta tell you. You kicked that question's ass. Thanks. <laughs> um, this is a very important question from uh, Sky Links on the forums. 
what will happen next year to the reading of the solicitations when Transformers Robots in Disguise become <laughs> simply Transformers? I'll leave before we finish reading them. <laughs> wow. More Than Meets the Eye is keeping its subtitle, though. So we might have to be like, Transformers? Is there a subtitle or is it just Transformers? No, but then there are eight different ones. There's Windstorm or whatever. The, what's, what's the other Yeah, one? yeah, but I wouldn't yeah. do that to you, Bob. Come on. I, would, I only do it with the two main mm-hmm. books. I have to do it with G.I. Joe. <laughs> we'll move on to G.I. Joe. A Real American, American Hero. Hero. And what was the other? There's another one, wasn't there? I don't know. I don't know. Cobra, Cobra Strikes, who knows? <laughs> uh, we'll have to try it with Spider-Man. You could do it with Ninja Turtles. Ninja Turtles got some pretty wacky titles. Yeah. <laughs> Star Wars. I could try to guess those. Oh, boy. No, 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 no. Okay. Well, they're going to Marvel since they probably won't have as crazy mm. a, 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 a titles, but who Let's knows? Let's just have events. That's a very good question. That's very funny. Yes. Um, I hope you didn't jinx me with tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so here we go. Um... This is from this is this John D says I'll keep my question short and sweet. How do you all find time to keep up with comics, movies, TV, and video games? And there, are there any aspects of your life that you feel like take a hit due to all of your media intake? Yeah, sleep. <laughs> it's mostly sleep is the thing yeah. that really takes a hit because, um, I I mean I have a full time job. I'm planning a wedding, uh, and so the time I have to do this stuff is late usually yeah um and so generally it's like i'll get two hours less sleep than i normally would because i need time to wind down i mean you have to be look you have to be you have to enjoy things you enjoy but you also have to be healthy about your practices you can't let the things that you love like like video video games movies tv comic Mm -hmm. books run your life you have to have also have a life so you have to figure (laughs) out a way to have both really uh yeah really oh uh you know it's 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 a balancing act. It definitely is. It's kind of like, and it's, again, I was actually talking with Logan about this, Logan Rowland, um, contributor to the site and, and friend of the show on Twitter about this. But, you know, you have to go with what, somebody you have to pick which one you want to do. You know, and right now, like, I mean, I'm obviously still reading comics for, for this um, and I'm enjoying them. But uh, for me, video games have become a nice, like, I, I, it kind of relieves stress. It's like this nice kind of like mm-hmm. loop of stuff to do. And I, it feels like you're achieving something even though you're really not. So it kind of takes my mind off the, the stress of planning mm-hmm. the wedding and stuff like that. And it, it makes you feel like you're accomplishing something. Like I have control over something. That's what it makes <laughs> you feel like. Uh, and that's why I've been kind of really into that stuff right now um, because it's active, but it's also sort of passive because I'm not really involved. Right. In it. Yeah. That's for me. I'm in a lot of trouble lately. Because Diablo, the Ultimate Evil Edition, has come out. Mm. And even though everybody and their grandmother is playing Destiny, I cannot bring myself away from Diablo. It is my video game drug, if you will. It has been for over 17 years. And um, I mean, in regard to reading comics, comics are always in the evenings. I used to read them during the day. I used to mark off, you know, specific times that I would sit down to read comics. But uh, ever since uh, founding the, the... Talking talking games podcast, you know, instead of putting my efforts towards one hobby, like video games, kind of took a back seat when mm-hmm. we started doing this for quite some time, and then all this good stuff started coming out. The new systems came out, and now I'm finding that the comic book reading stuff, I'm not getting to all the back issues that I want, and even the stuff that I'm picking up every week, I'm only reading what's necessary for the show. Like we get our lists and I know that Bob's going to be talking about this or Bobby's going to be talking about that. And like, I need to find at least four books that I can talk about. And I'll be, I'm there, there are weeks when it's really hard to find books that you want to talk about. Um, cause you don't want to hit the same titles over and over again that you've been enjoying. You want to kind of bring variety to the show. But as far as dividing time, 
you just gotta, you gotta go with your mood. You gotta ask yourself, you know, what are you in the mood to do? And when you have responsibilities to kind of, you know, talk on both topics, you really have to create a balance for yourself so that you do run your life. I do get my articles in on time. I do manage my time so that I can go and babysit my nieces and be there for my family and do stuff like that. But when there's responsibilities to the podcasts and to the shows and to even socially, like just keeping up socially with all of this stuff is an effort as well. So um, how do we do We just We just do it. Yeah. You just figure it out. That's, you, the, that's the real secret to life in general is you yeah. think there's some secret to it you just do it you heard it here and you hope that yeah. you hope that it's okay that's really what the all of life yeah. is just a nike commercial yeah, you just do it, it. You just do it <laughs> absolutely uh bob what about seriously you? what's taken the biggest hit is reading real books yeah absolutely i haven't read a real book yeah. in for i'm halfway through nosferatu and <laughs> it took me two weeks to go through a book i should have in about three days mm. because in between it's i get up i'm supposed to be at work for nine which means i get there at 8 30 because i'm a dope <laughs> It's just wine. I can sit in the parking lot and read comics in the car and hope people don't mug me. But I, I'm up at 5.15. Whoa. So I can go onto the forums and read, you know, send, read and send emails and respond to people and put out feelers for the show, whatever. Now, I'll go home. It's about 11-ish. Mm-hmm. Okay, the Giants-Dodgers game is on, so I'll go home and watch the end of that and have a sandwich or something, and I'll go to bed at one-ish. Mm-hmm. And be up at five fifteen. I don't know how you do it. <laughs> you just do it. You, 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 you need less sleep as you get older. Yeah, you will find that it is the case. Well, your NYCC schedule is going to be a little bit different this year. But in years past, you are the weekend warrior. <laughs> yeah, that no. first year you were up. You remember when we closed uh, Penn Station? You and I. <laughs> that yeah. Well, that was that Monday, right? Yeah. Monday we went in to meet Stephanie and Bill. Mm-hmm. And did we go from there to Penn Station, met Lauren then because she was down at Tiranog. Yeah. And I got home, you got home after I did, but it was what, six? Yeah, it was like <laughs> six or seven. Then the next night was dinner. Then yeah. it was New Comic Day and I took Sarah to Canterbury Ales in the city. Mm-hmm. Thursday, we were in early. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We had the meet and greet Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, Sunday... Sarah and I went to meet people at the Algonquin. That's right. I went home and baked a cheesecake. Went back into the city Monday to go to the Museum of Natural That's History, right. and then had them Monday over, too. and then had them over for dinner on Tuesday. What are you going to do when Hugh's here? Well, it's sad because I don't have this week now. Now that I have a job again, it's sort of okay for whatever time we can spend together. We are going to whatever evening it is, yeah. and whatever we'll find a way to do something. All right, we'll figure it out for you, buddy. Right. I know I won't let you go to the city alone. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah real books took a hit. From yeah, it. definitely. And actually, you, you, you said something. I do the same thing as you. I mean, I wake up as early, but I go to work a little bit later. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to be at work until ten, but I'll wake up at seven because yep. I want to do stuff before I go to work. Uh, Stephanie, what about you? Um, I go through phases. Everything. I mean, sleep does wind up taking, um, you know, a big toll. Um, but I love sleep so much. <laughs> um, but. I go through phases where like I'll realize that I haven't gamed for a while and then like for like two weeks straight for like 13 hours a day all I'll do is game that's not entirely true because I need to work um (laughs) but you know and then I'll be like shit I haven't read a book in like forever and then I'll go read like a couple books I'll read like a YA book so that I'm done it really quickly and I'm like I'm still literate (laughs) um 
And, you know, then it's like, oh, I'm way behind on, like, all my back issues of comics. So then I'll read so many comics. And, oh, my God, I'm behind on movies. Like, it's just a constant rotation of things that I'm behind on. And uh, forever ignoring sleep. Yep. I have to try that idea of a shorter book instead of, as I did, with yeah. a 600, <laughs> 600 page book about Hiroshima. I totally do. Like, um, I try and find a good YA book or just a good short book. Um, and then, you know, I, I, I read that and, you know, hopefully that kind of piques my interest into like mm-hmm. reading novels again. And then I wind up reading lots of books and feeling like, you know, I'm actually right. reading you know, novels that are on my list, too. Right, you've reacquired the habit and the, the rhythm of yeah, doing yeah. it. Yeah, it really is. I need, like, like a YA else. book, and then it's like, and now Game of Thrones. <laughs> it's the warm-up before yeah. the real really? game. No, it's yeah. absolutely true. It's absolutely true. Can I just read something really quick yeah, sure. that I saw on my Twitter feed? Uh, M underscore Morse. We were talking about S.H.I.E.L.D. earlier, and I just thought this was so funny. S.H.I.E.L.D. did a nice job of resetting the table tonight. It's still cheesy, but now it's more sharp cheddar, less craft singles. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Um, all right, so that's going to wrap up our, our listener questions. I have, a, I have uh, one I want us to think on for, okay. the, for the week. Uh, this is from Saul Karnofsky, and he, and he said, really simple question. It might seem obvious, but what are the top three reasons why you love comics? So we'll talk about those next week bob has his written down already oh my god but we do yeah. not so we'll have those we'll talk about those uh next week Words, guys pictures pe- colors <laughs> i i have one that i saw that i'll throw out there to for thought okay worst single issue ever from rain boy yeah yes absolutely we'll think about that as well okay um we got we got some new people too a couple of people who, who popped on for the first time on the forums uh joe uh joe kerr uh, he said, hey, guys, started listening to the podcast last week, and it's awesome. Um, Thank you. And we can think on this, too. Maybe we'll do this next week. We'll do it in the week's underrated storylines that you've come across. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, so thank you, everybody. And we also, uh, this is on Twitter, but uh, Justin Taylor at TaylorJ52. Uh, Don't talk to me about is, is new to comics <laughs> um, and, and oh, yeah. recommended to us, I believe, by Liberal Bastion uh, to check us out. Mm-hmm. So, uh Thank you, and thank you for listening. He wants to know X-Men series that he can read, so let's think on some X-Men series. For, oh, I got like, some. Like, so we have some questions to get to primed for the, for the next couple of weeks that we'll get to. Uh, but thank you guys so much for writing in. Uh, awesome, awesome to hear from all of you, from the new people, from, from our, our, uh, our, good old, our good old listeners who mm-hmm. listen every week and are, and are so dedicated. Thank you guys so much. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about what's on the shelves right now. Okay, Bobby. Uh, excuse me, Stephanie. What's with sass? <laughs> I'm just saying okay like a okay thumbs up yeah. good job right. Jeff go um, from abstract studios Rachel rising number 28 um, <laughs> uh, we've got from avatar press cross badlands number 50 uh, and that is it uh, let's see boom studios B and puppy cat number four bravest warriors number 24 uh, butterfly number one butterfly Clive Baker <laughs> number five Empty Man, number four. Evil Empire, number five. Lumberjanes, number six. Steed and Mrs. Peel were needed, number three of six. Uh, let's see. Dark Horse. Uh, Aliens. Oh, fi- I was going to quickly say that Butterfly book. I didn't want it. Uh, it's Marguerite Bennett. Or, yeah. It's Ooh. one of her new books. Oh, very It's nice. like a spy thriller. Ooh, Very cool. And where's yeah. my Amazing World of Gumball, number two? Damn it. It's not out. So, sorry. I just wanted to tell people that, like, that that might be something you guys want to check out. 
Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, from Dark Horse Comics, Aliens, Fire, and Stone, number one. Uh, um, we've got uh, Baltimore, The Witch of Harju, number three. Captain Midnight, number 15. Conan, The Avenger, number six. Deep Gravity, number three of four. ElfQuest, The Final Quest, number five. Ghost, number eight. Uh, space Ghost. They should bring him back. Uh, Gru versus... I love Space Ghost. Gru yeah. versus Conan, number three. Halo Escalation, number 10. Uh, Massive, number 27. Mind Management, number 26. Pariah, number eight of eight. Pop, number two of four. Yeah! Uh, Robert E. Howard, Savage Sword, number nine. Um, Sundowners, number two. Tomb Raider, number eight. From DC Comics, Adventures of Superman, number 17, which is the final... Uh, issue that has the Superman Lois Valentine story oh, it does? from Kelly Sue. Yeah, it's great, great story. Uh, Aquaman and the Others, Future's End, number one. Batman sixty six, number fifteen. Uh, Batman Beyond Universe, number fourteen. Uh, Batman Eternal, number twenty five. Bodies, number three of eight. Uh, Booster Gold, Future's End, number one. Catwoman, Future's End, number one. Um, we've got Dead Boy Detectives, number nine. Uh, Flash, Future's End, number one. Uh, let's see what else. Harley Quinn, Future's End, number one. They just announced that Scratch and Sniff No, that's book. the annual. That's the annual. But I know it's not that one, but they announced <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, it's a Scratch and Sniff. Comics. Um, <laughs> Injustice, Gods Among Us, year two, number 12. Uh, that's the final issue of that. Mm-hmm. Justice League Dark, Future's End, number one. New 52, Future's End, number 21. <laughs> Red Lantern's Future's End, number one. Uh, Sinestro, Future's End, number one. Uh, Superman is that new? I can't tell. What's up with bodies number three? What happened to number two? Came out. It came out. When? Last month. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. Star Spangled War Stories featuring GI Zombie Futures End number one. <laughs> yeah. Nice. That is a title. I am totally yeah. got this from the writers of Power Girl. Oh, it's is it it's Jimmy Palmiotti and, and Justin Gray? And Justin Gray. Yeah. Okay. It's very good. I've read the first two issues. Superman Doomed number two. Superman Futures End number one. Um, Dynamite Entertainment, Bob's Burgers, number two. Deja of Mars, number four. Justice Inc., number two. Um, Legendary, a steampunk adventure, number seven. Mm-hmm. Pathfinder, City of Secrets, number five. Red Sonia, number 12. Uh, Red Sonia and the Black Tower, number one. Is that real? Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, steampunk, sometimes these lists are very tough to read. Steampunk, Battlestar Galactica, 1880. <laughs> Number two, and Tom Clancy, Splinter Cell, Echoes, number four. Echoes. Um, from IDW, we've got Cartoon Network, Super Secret Crisis War, number four. We've got um, G.I. Joe, number one. A Real American Hero. It's a Real American Hero. This is not the subtitle Real American Hero, Bob. It's just G.I. Joe. Oh. It's a different book. See, um, I'm already off rhythm with that. Yes, Ghostbusters, number 20. Godzilla, Rulers of Earth, number 16. Uh, My Little Pony Annual, 2014. Samurai Jack, number 12. Star Trek, number 37. Um, Star Trek, Harlan Ellison's The City on the Edge of Forever, the original teleplay, number four of five. <laughs> um, also threatening for the Goodness. longest title. Uh, we've got... Oh, Transformers. It was mentioned before. Robots in disguise, of okay. course. <laughs> uh, Image Comics. We've got Cowl, number five. Chew, number 43. Uh, Drumheller, number nine. Uh, we've got Low, number three. Outcast, number four. Uh, Rocher Limit, number one. Saga, number 23. Sex, number 16. Voice in the Dark, Get Your Gun, number one. Wayward, number two. Uh, Ooh, nice. Marvel Comic. Wait, Legendary stuff coming out. Uh 
Okay, so Legendary, which put out that Grant Morrison book last last week, mm-hmm. uh, they have uh, Tower Chronicles Dreadstalker, number two, and Town Called Dragon, number one of five. Uh, from Marvel Comics, we've got All New Ghost Rider, number seven, All New Invaders, number ten. Um, we've got... Oh, shoot. I hit a link. God damn it. Um, <laughs> we've got Amazing Spider-Man, number 1.5. We've got Amazing X-Men, number 11. Cyclops, number 5. Deadpool, number 35. Uh, Edge of Spider-Verse, number 3. Which doesn't say which character on here. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, number 19. Um, Inhuman, number 6. Loki, Agent of Asgard, number 6. Magneto, number 10. Um, Mighty Avengers number 14. New Ave- surrendering. New Avengers number 24. <laughs> New Warriors number 10. Savage Wolverine number 23. Secret Avengers number 8. Storm number 3. And Thunderbolts number 31. Jesus. From Oni Press, we've got Letter 44 number 10. <laughs> Princess Ugg number 4. And Sixth Gun number 43. Uh, let's see. Titan, uh, Alien Legion, Uncivil War, number four, uh, Doctor Who, the Tenth Doctor, number two, uh, from Valiant Entertainment, we've got Arm- Armor Hunters, number four, um, Harbinger Omegas, number two, and Exo Man of War, number 29. From Zenoscope, we've got Grim Fairy Tales Presents, Realm War, number three, Robin Hood, number two, Warlord of Oz, number five. That's what's on the shelves. Steve ran out of digits. Light Week. It looks I'm, like um, the Spider-Verse number three stars Dr. Aaron Aikman, Spider-Man, and his like Spider-Man suit kind of looks like Iron Man's. Like, it looks robotic. Oh, he might be the cyborg Spider-Man dude that was in one of the other books. Gotcha. All right. Thanks for that information, Stephanie. You know, You'll I'm trying. I'm trying to, I'm, trying to I'm trying. I'm trying to get my pull list down. <laughs> Every damn week, I'm trying to make cuts. They are not making it easy. Yeah, well, you gotta you gotta have that willpower. It's like twenty books, dude. Yeah, we'll cut some of them down. I'm. Oh. <laughs> I'm gonna try tomorrow. It's gonna happen. I don't know like how you get twenty books out of that. Easily, I saw yeah, counting. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's. I read a lot of stuff. Yeah. So do I, <laughs> but. Uh, I mean, I'm gonna get probably like ten out of it to twelve. Bob probably has one. We'll see. We'll see what we'll see what happens tomorrow morning. Ten. That's a big week for you. Yeah. Big week for you. Because I have some weeks with two. Yeah, exactly. Um, by the way, Bob has a note card where he, he tracks yes. all the books that he buys every week. So there you well, go. Well, I, I call the store ahead okay. to make sure he doesn't forget anything. <laughs> that has happened over our 30-some-odd-year relationship. <laughs> um, if you guys want to get in touch with us, please, uh, podcast at TalkingComicBooks.com, at TalkingComics on Twitter, Facebook.com, slash TalkingComics. Come to the website, TalkingComicBooks.com, for... All our reviews, our TV recaps, <laughs> our columns, our videos, everything. Um, and uh, comment along, join the forums, review us on iTunes. Uh, check out our suite of podcasts, uh, The Misfits with Stephanie Cook, Melissa Megan, and Mara Wood. Uh, Stephanie, what's, uh, what's up next for you guys? We are Misfits on Misfits. So BBC show Misfits. Oh, and okay. We're going to oh. be talking about that. Gotcha. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to interview each other yeah, yeah, for yeah. a second. No, no. Somebody requested that we talk about uh, the BBC series, so we're going to do it. Nice. Nice. Um, we've got, oh, well, it hasn't come out. I think it's going out on Thursday. But talking movies, they interviewed the writer of the RoboCop remake. Wow. Seriously? Yeah. So that interview will probably go up on Thursday, I believe, is when they ask the hard questions. All, all the hard questions. I haven't heard it yet, so I'm interested to hear that. How did you get Michael Keaton to be in this movie? <laughs> uh, they just reviewed Logan's Run. Oh, cool. Uh, 
it was not a positive review. <laughs> oh, yeah. So uh, check that out for some with good reason for some uh, some enter- it's entertaining though. Let's just say that uh, talking Valiant. They just did. Uh, if you guys are interested, in, you guys are interested in getting into Valiant. They did a whole non-spoiler. This is what you need to know guide on how to get into reading Valiant books. Awesome. So check that out. Um, we've got, of course, Talking Games, uh, hosted by our very own Steve Say. Yep. Uh, what's your topic this week, Steve? For the love of multiplayer, we're going to talk about all of our best and worst multiplayer experiences and the idea of building a community within a community. Cool. Awesome. No. Awesome. Well, I don't have another podcast. Can I mention one thing I picked up this week? Okay. For any of you fans of Captain Marvel or Carol Core members, Eagle Moss, which puts out the Marvel chess set, released the White Queen this week, and it is Carol. And it's, rather, it's a rather large little figure. Were we taking a picture? No, no, no I wasn't. Okay. Getting it, but I, I can do that, though. Okay. Bobby loves his new phone. No, yeah. I, was, I was getting it out for uh, another Carol thing, but oh, I was like, I'm taking a picture of it. Oh, I, I, I'm actually doing a video of it. So okay, <laughs> even better. I'll, I'll have it fly around a, a time little. lapse. Okay, <laughs> I know what I'm doing. Dun, 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 but it's it's dun, all dun, of sixteen dollars. Ooh. Now the thing is, these tend to disappear sometimes quickly. Mm-hmm. So anyone, any store that reorders it will probably have one at the end of the month. But I would not say these would be around forever. And it's the first Carol Danvers Captain Marvel figure that I know of. Now, are you going to keep that in the bag, safely tucked away, or no. you display it? No, I'm going to, well, I may leave it in that box so I don't have to dust it. Right. It's in a plastic box with a clear plastic front. Yeah. Because I have a, a whole little DC set. All of my Kodobo of the, of the lead figures are so dusty. Right. This is just resin. The, mm-hmm. the little ones that they were doing before were lead. So I have a Wonder Woman, Power Girl, Batgirl, Zatanna, and Black Canary. Nice. So this, just... will, this will go nicely there. And this is about what, four inches high? Yeah. Good size figure. Anyway, that was it for me. I just finished off my Guardians of the Galaxy Funko Pop collection. Nice. Yep. They're all there. Very nice. You have to bring back iCollect one of these days. Yeah. That was uh that was something that when we started it, I was not prepared to uh to organize and, and house that. It could make a comeback. We got a we got a couple things in the cooker right now. So uh you never know. Mm-hmm. Cool. Awesome. So if you guys are gonna get to us personally, I'm at Bobby Shortle on Twitter. Steve. I am at dead underscore anchorus on Twitter. Stephanie. I'm at Hello Cookie. And Bob. Bob Ryer at talkingcomicbooks.com. Thank you guys so much uh for tuning in and listening and being a part uh of our show. But that's gonna do it for the Talking Comics podcast for this week. For Steve. Much love. Bob. Avita Zane. And Stephanie. Bye. I have been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics, to be continued. <laughs>